Michael Bay breaks good, the real world movie, and coincidentally, Conan O'Brien and Walker, Texas Ranger emerge simultaneously this week on 30 2010. Hello everyone and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's pop culture time machine taking you on a journey of anniversaries, milestones, and a bunch of fun stuff from 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Haha, three segments, three decades. Get with us. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antiso, and who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and Jesus Christ himself has blessed me with many gifts, and one of them is knocking someone the fuck out. And I'm J.R. Rawls, and yesterday upon the stair, I met a man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. I wish, I wish he'd go away. Man, see, if I if I was able to get a reference as my introduction, I would have said, J.R. says I have AIDS. Uh, Hi, welcome to 302010, looking at the world 30, 20, and 10 years ago, a a symphony in three acts of pop culture. We're looking at this week, April 21st to the 27th in 1993, uh, 2003, and 2013. Join us, won't you? We'll tell you all the fun stuff and sad stuff and important stuff that happened. Uh, Once again, thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. I'm apologizing in advance. We're having... Some pretty severe audio issues. Things are going in and out. It looks hardware-based. We can't do anything about that right now. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on with the show. April 21st to 27th, 1993, uh, Brazil votes against a monarchy. Yep, this was 86% for a republic, 14% for the monarchy. That does mean that, you know, one out of every eight Brazilians want the monarchy back and this commercial spoke to them whoa it's it's all in portuguese but it is like mm-hmm. a song about vote for the king our deal brazil yeah. to get away from this mess after all vote for a king like who are the 14 percent one just, thing I... poor countries improving <laughs> It's when they become monarchical. Yeah. The only yeah. people, I, can, seeing the only people they, I imagine voting for the king are those two old guys in Cinderella who are all around the castle. Like, they need a monarchy. That monarchy yeah, is not going to pay for it. See, they've done polls since then, and the numbers have about switched. Like, if they ran today, they, you'd probably get a constitutional monarchy if, if they wanted one. Uh, which, they only had a monarchy for, like, 70-something years. The last king was deposed in 1889. But... I mean, the, the House of Braganza technically still exists. They could figure out who is the rightful heir. And no, no I think that's a bad sign. Just waiting. He is yeah. just like waiting in his apartment, smoking <laughs> a cigarette any day now, Yo- any day. Y'all need a king yeah. again? I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, uh, considering how uh, Brazilian politics have worked out in the last couple of years, the idea of them having a monarchy is incredibly bad. Uh, <laughs> they kind of almost had one for a bit there. I was looking. Um, no, monarchies are bad. You don't want to bring them back. For what? Tourist dollars? No one cares. Anyway, also this week, labor leader Cesar Chavez dies at age 66, and my yeah. father makes me do a book report on him. Uh, <laughs> that's how. That's who my dad is. Um, yeah. Ah, big old lefty. Yeah. Yeah, Cesar Chavez, the co-founder of the United Farm Workers uh, 
union organizing farm workers, getting them labor protections and not getting sprayed in the face with pesticides mm. and um, bringing a works. lot of attention to a whole bunch of shit that desperately needs attention right now. Yeah. Again. Yep. And also, you know, Latino and Chicano pride and all that good stuff. I, it was pretty smart in that he based his ideas a lot of on Gandhi of sort of nonviolent non-cooperation mm-hmm. and really played into like Catholic beliefs. Like there's lots of pilgrimages and masses and like he'd go on hunger strikes all the time. They think that's probably part of why he died so young. It seems like he might have had a heart attack in his sleep because he had gone hunger. on these hunger strikes that almost killed him a couple times. Yeah. And it just it was yep. uh it was odd just because like it was he was not a household name growing up in Florida, and then I moved to San Francisco, and there's murals Ooh. of him every eight feet, and oh, yeah. I'm one of the few white people uh, transplants who knows who the fuck it is, uh, other than a street, a boulevard there, which yeah, oh, they renamed Army Street for mm-hmm. Cesar Chavez, and people were like, yeah, and it's like they named it Army because they ran out of names. That street Seriously. had nothing to do with the army, <laughs> like... and now it's got like yeah. eighteen. We'll name the street Alpha, and basically. <laughs> In other depressing, slightly depressing human news, uh, the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum uh, was dedicated in Washington, D.C. 30 years ago this week. And I've been to it with my wife, uh, who is of Jewish descent and lost relatives in the Holocaust. And it's a incredibly moving experience. I it's it's weird. It's like it feels like an Oscar movie. Maybe no one should want to see what's in here, but everyone tells me it's great. And I went last time I was in DC mm-hmm. with my family. We're like, want to go to the Holocaust Museum? Like, heard it's awesome. I, I like not awesome, but I've heard it's very deeply moving and very well done. I would love to see that. And my mom was a little iffy, and when she got up to the gate, not crying, she's just like, I can't, I, I can't, I can't. Mm. So I went to the Museum of America with my mother, while the rest of my family went and just couldn't stop talking about it but i got a fraggle puppet so it was kind of all worth it (laughs) (laughs) mom bought me a fraggle puppet i was 30 something yeah i i have said i haven't gone there because i yeah i'm jewish i can look at my family tree and know what happened but i didn't realize the roots of this went back so far that jimmy carter established a commission of like should we build a holocaust memorial and it was chaired by Eli wiesel author of night and holocaust survivor Mm. and he came back with all this stuff that's pretty much like we need a museum because it's not enough to just have like here's a cenotaph and like some names it's like no the the point is there it's twofold number one what was specifically done to six million jews mm-hmm. and what was that that is a cautionary tale that this can happen to anyone because it didn't just happen to jews it happened to gays and roma and mm-hmm. catholic cur- clergy and jehovah's witnesses and uh the men- you know mentally ill the handicapped it's, it's, yeah it's kind of tough because it is it's a two-pronged thing and i i read a really good piece recently about holocaust education and how it tends to get sort of generalized for everyone of sort of like this is a bad thing that happened to a group and not not put in the context of like, yeah, so there's been like 2000 years of severe anti-Semitism among white people. And this is kind of the natural result. But honestly, I'm kind of OK with that because the main lesson there needs to be this is the natural end product of hate. Of, when you pick a group and say they are to blame for all your problems, this is where you end up. Of uh, Product of hate and I don't know, maybe a culture who feels like they're losing something and a complete and total lack of compassion, uh, where that's somehow cool again. And so I do get worried. When you dehumanize a group, it's not so hard to 
help them mm -hmm. in the thousands every day. But yeah, the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum, I think, is like the second largest in the world behind Yad Vashem in Israel, has 12,000 artifacts, 49 million pages of archival documents, wow. 85,000 photographs. They've talked to thousands of survivors and, and have their records. But, you know, once I saw a meme that there was a swimming pool at Auschwitz, so I guess none of that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was the most depressing text message I got about the Holocaust recently. One of my mm -hmm. friends has decided only 50,000 people died. All these sheep. Ooh. Never mind. Never mind. Moving on. Great. Uh, yeah. And every, like every fucking year, there's some sort of poll about how like 40% of people don't know what the Holocaust is. And it's like, well, if you have no idea what we are talking about right now, you have the internet because you're listening to this. Please, please go look it up. It's a lot of information. You just, just read the Wikipedia pages. Fine. Do what it's the public school system did for me. Make it a paragraph in a textbook and force you to watch Schindler's List. But only after it's been aired on television, they can tape it and show it to you for free. Because it wasn't <laughs> sent to our school. Uh, oh, Jesus. It was, it was, it was weird. I, I think I know I said that on this show, or at least I did not hear about the Holocaust until Schindler's List. Never heard about it. Never talked about it in history uh, classes. That, that's a you thing, Chris. I How's knew it about it. You're a history buff. You care about history. I had a lot of problems. I was with not a history buff until freshman year of high school. Before that, I did not care about history at all. Not I, in no, the slightest. I had not heard about it. And, uh, and, or maybe I did. It just, uh, but I was probably watching something a little out of my depth and wasn't really sure. Like, is this fiction? Or is this real? What the fuck is this? I can't mm. wrap my brain around it. But I remember yeah. people started talking about it during Schindler's List, and there, all these documentaries popped up, and every news, every news uh, magazine. News anyway, anyway, it was being talked about a lot more, which I don't remember it ever being talked about before that. And maybe that is growing up in the South. And maybe it is my yep. lack of uh, reading comprehension and uh, ADHD going against me in history. But like, I, I, mean, I do remember when we saw the least... movie, we looked it up in, in the history book, and it, it is like a paragraph. And I don't mean to diminish it, but didn't you at least learn about it in X-Men comics and Magneto? No, I, no, I couldn't oh, afford them old comics. No, I guess I hmm. would have. I did have that number one. Dude, I don't know that that... I was a huge X-Men fan. No, it was brought but up I, all I the had, time with Magneto. I had the, I had a, the first X-Men collection on pay, trade paperback, and it's I can remember it now, but it just didn't register in my brain. Anyway, it's it's why it's important to remember, because I feel like United States education on it is pretty bad, uh, yep. in my opinion. But yep. I am... Uh, pretty, pretty bad. I remember uh, high school AP history, AP world history, I went and I had a full-on meltdown, uh, like punching walls in the bathroom because uh, we were talking about it. And a student in the class said that 6 million Jews couldn't have been killed because there have never been 6 million Jews on the planet Earth at the same time. What? She... Uh, she she was a very evangelical Christian, and ah. I think, and she basically thought that Jews were people from the Bible and that they didn't really exist anymore. We're like mythical creatures, you know, like leprechauns or fairies, <laughs> which uh. I appreciate. I just wish I got magical powers or like bare minimum horns. Like the whole thing about Jews having horns. God, I wish that were true. That'd be so cool. That would be really neat. We could file them off, make you look like Hell Girl. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Or just like okay, happy put little ribbons around them, them. Or, yeah, man, paint them. Uh, all right, moving on to the movies of 1993. Uh, Indecent Proposal is still number one at the box office because America is trash. 
but some other uh, movies coming out this week that we may want to recommend. I This never happens. I think not since that Ethan Hawke World War II movie. The first movie we mentioned is my recommend of the week. Leonardo wow. DiCaprio, Alan Barkin, and Robert De Niro in This Boy's Life. It's a solid one. It, it really is. I, I got to give you that one. Also, I didn't realize uh, this is Tobey Maguire as a small part, and it's his film yeah. debut. And two weeks and 20 years from now, we'll talk about Toby and Leo together in a movie. Pussy Posse Reunited, 2013. <laughs> and we'll eventually talk about De Niro and DiCaprio Reunited. And uh... Yeah, in the like eight hour long Scorsese movie coming. Yes! Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> young Elijah Dushku and uh, uh, Carl, Carla Gugino and... I, I just, yeah, like, I, I think my dad handed me this book at a really young age. It made an impression on him. And it just had a lot of concepts I wasn't familiar with about people my age. Talking about boys jerking off and doing bad stuff was kind of into, what, what would you call it, preteen lit. And it was just sort of blew my mind. The movie is such a wonderful period piece adaptation, like just a shitty life that just won't stop. Uh, yeah. But totally typical. I love De Niro's character of Dwight is abusive in a way that I feel like movies weren't doing because he doesn't really like raise a fist ever until like the very end. Mm. He's abusive and up to and including stealing his stepson's money. But yeah, the story of a, a son and his mom trying to get somewhere, run away from everything uh, in the country in the 1950s. I hear there's uranium out west. Let's go, mom. Like, yeah, these these things really happened. And the utter depressingness of Upper Washington, I, JR can attest to that. I don't know. Concrete? It's It's got a... I always thought Lovecraft missed missed out by not going to the Northwest because it has got as such a creepy, depressing vibe to it at times. Like the, the Northwest coast, that should be the setting of so many horror films because it is just this eerie night. <laughs> yeah. Like every, it, it always looks like dusk no matter what yeah. time you're, everything's wet all the time. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's even, that's in the green part of Washington state. I didn't realize until I met my husband that there, there's a not green part of Washington state. Yep. Once, once you get past the mountains, uh, then it looks like the central Valley in California. It's the high desert. Um, mm -hmm. and you, you just might as well be in Fresno. It's just Fresno as far as the eye could see. <laughs> oh, it's awful. It's so awful. But yeah, no, this boy's life. I mean, I can't really call it like did, uh, DiCaprio's breakout except it, it kind of is for people like movie nerds this is probably the first time they were like huh I mean but DiCaprio's first other role was Critters 3 but now yeah. he's the star of this movie yeah. carrying it and, and doing it pretty well like he looks like a little kid in the beginning and becomes kind of like a greaser thug by the end yeah I know Fuck he's that. so little and it's so weird that we we have what's eating Gilbert Grape like later this year and it's like was this on a shelf for two years because he looks like he grew a two feet t taller by the mm. time he makes Gilbert Grape. Like this kid is well past puberty, but by the time Gilbert Grape happens, but they're the same year. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I've loved this movie for a while. I haven't seen it in like 20 years and it's on HBO Max and watched it again. Couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. Good coming uh, of age movie. Definitely. Very, very good. Also out this week, Julie Harris, Michael Rooker, Amy Madigan, Timothy Hutton in the dark half. Who oh boy. Okay. So... <laughs> I actually like this novel. This novel is a interesting piece of Stephen King's writing career because he literally wrote half of this while addicted to drugs and alcohol Ooh. and half of it while sober. Huh. Yeah. Which half? Yeah. The dark half? Ah. Uh, 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 you says the title, you wins the prize. But... <laughs> 
it's really him grappling with uh, Richard Bachman. So uh, Richard Bachman is a fake name that Stephen King came up because he was selling so many books. He was going, gee, I wonder if people are just buying these because of my name or I wonder if I'm actually good. So he created a fictional know-nothing author while he was famous to publish works of his. Is that the story or is it a Konami Ultra situation? He was publishing too many books under his real name and couldn't compete with himself. Probably a little of column A, probably a little column B, honestly. But it's still something that is... And again, let's just mention cocaine is involved in that type of behavior. I'm writing... I can't stop writing books! (laughs) I don't encourage anyone to do drugs. I really don't. Stephen King's best works was when he was an addict. Mm. It's best not to look into that when you look into your artist. Yeah. But he still makes lots of great stuff. Don't get me wrong. And Stephen, I know you're a fan. Don't go back on the drugs just because I said that okay <laughs> but back on his age his heart's about to explode he survived a demon van incident <laughs> but yeah i think the story behind this book is more interesting than the movie itself i mean stephen king really did create a fictional author alter ego and that author ego eventually did die because someone discovered it and it wasn't like in this movie there was no blackmail it was just stephen king going okay i guess someone found up i'm gonna bury that author now and He buried his alter ego, and that's what this movie is about. This movie is about a fictional author who has a pen name who he is done with. Uh, He decides to bury it, and then the fictional pen name comes to life and starts haunting him. It sounds pretty (laughs) stupid. Yeah. (laughs) It's not as stupid in book form. It's kind of (laughs) super stupid in movie form. I mean... It, it didn't pull off. I know trick. what you're saying. It, I, I'm thinking immediately of his ad- adaptation of The Shining, the book and Kubrick movie I love, his literal adaptation, I didn't. When we were watching mm-hmm. that Warm Bodies movie, I'm like, I know this is more nuanced in book form, goddammit. It's so mm. stupid sometimes <laughs> yeah. uh, in a movie, in movie form. Because it, it is... It's got to be like a deep metaphor for what he's going. It's like an author struggling with himself. And I bet most of his fans knew that and found that intriguing. And that has to be lost on the film. And it is lost. When it's a film that it's literally, you know, Timothy Hutton being the other guy. And since we're visually seeing it, it's a little, sounds like it's just a lot less nuanced, you Mm -hmm. know, in, in the page you could understand. It could just all be in his head. It's a metaphor, damn it. Mm-hmm. No, no. In the book, it's real. Magic is real in the book, definitely. Okay. But yeah, the movie just doesn't stick the landing. Uh, it's a rare instance of the studio intervening in a good way. Mm-hmm. The original ending to this film was going to be the dark half, the pen name who's bad. They had a ragdoll dummy that gets lifted away. And test audience thought that meant the bad half was going to heaven. <laughs> So they reshot it so that a mass of 1993 quasi-CGI sparrows eat him to death. Oh, okay. That's nice. (laughs) It's a better ending. Okay. Than a ragdoll going up into the sky. I have to go now. My planet needs me. (laughs) Next up, look at this cast. Matt Craven, fucking coward. Uh, Julie Warner. Uh, Kimberly Williams Paisley, Vincent Spano, Kevin Pollock, Bill Paxton, Elizabeth Perkins, Diane Lane, and Alan Arkin in Indian Summer. From Touchstone Pictures, after 20 years, eight lifelong friends are going back to summer camp. 
to relive old memories. I don't remember smelling this much like urine. And renew old acquaintances. I hope I didn't offend any of you. No. They're returning to the best summer of their lives. Yes! To find out what they've been missing. Oh, I want to be a kid again. Indian Summer, rated PG-13. Go back, go back. I remember that song being huge. Big chill ripoff. There we go. I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say first. Big chill goes to summer camp. Yep. But it works. Okay. Yeah. I watched this. Yeah, it's okay. not a fantastic movie. It's not a great film. It's a nice film. Yeah. I remember it's, it as being it's fine. Yeah. It's you're going to smile more than you're gonna laugh, but there's a couple of nice points where they don't really shy away. In the very start of the film, you have these young campers seeing a moose. And it's presented as this great, fantastic experience for them. They come back as an adult and they see a moose again. And one of the adults is going like, okay, I've seen enough. I'm not going to watch wet paint dry and just walks away from the majestic, gorgeous moose that you thought was going to be a metaphor for nature still being worthwhile. There's little touches like that. These seem all like real people. None of them are just cardboard cutouts. The sweet caretaker of the camp has an inner life has a problem has a bad thing that he did in the past and that he's sorry for and all of the people are dealing with real adult problems that seem like problems they'd be dealing with their age hmm. it's acted and written well it's if you're looking for this type of thing this is a good version of this type of thing there you go that's a good totally. way of putting it totally palatable but it was run endlessly on cable when I'm still in summer camp. <laughs> so like, <laughs> what the fuck do I care about these old people? I'll never be able to recapture that. And I, I didn't get it. It was hard to find uh, this movie. I even tried to resorting to uh, less than legal means. That is at 39% after like almost a week. <laughs> There's not a lot of, not a lot of shares out there. You found, I think it's Kevin Pollack himself. Actually. You, you found <laughs> Sorry. Him. I forgot to turn my, my Dell on uh, <laughs> this next clip. This is why I, I hope it's in here, but why I just love audio on the show. Dennis Leary, Bernie Mac. This might be the best cast of any movie we'll talk about. The list of cameo appearances (laughs) is so long. It is. It is. Should I just start throwing them in there? Do you want? Do you want everyone? Bushwick Bill, Buster Rhymes, Del the Funky Homo Sapien. God, he's got to be like a baby. Terrence Howard's debut. Cinematic Terrence debut. Howard's debut, Fab Five Freddy, Eric B. Rakim, Heavy D, House of Pain. Crisscross and Naughty by Nature. KRS-One, oh. Humpty Hump. It's, it's pretty oh unbelievable. God. This is far too much talent for what we got. Yeah, it's. I, I, I remember watching this as a kid and I was just like, Jesus. But Dennis Leary, Bernie Mac, Ice-T, Ed Lover, and Dr. Dre. No, not that one. I probably have to say that sincerely at this day and age. Yep. Who's the man? And I just hope we have a white announcer who doesn't know how to pronounce this phrase. Because that's what I always loved about the trailers for this. You might have to skip to the end for this because the TV ads mm. were terrible. So I, I, oh, yeah. I had to pull from the full theatrical trailer. They were a couple of nobodies. What's up, Cherise? What the hell are you doing telling people I'm sleeping with you? Who couldn't cut it anywhere. Is anything ever going to happen to us? Someday, my brother. The police force is hiring brothers. Uh-uh, man, uh-uh. They ain't trying to be the man. Are you trying to be the man? I am not trying to be the man. Give me one reason. Rodney King! But Harlem needs heroes. 
I want us to sign to the case so we can catch the guy ourselves. No matter who they are. That's a fair stop. Being a police officer is about one thing. Who knows what that is? Harassing. OPP. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. One of the things I love about watching these movies now is that, like, something about a black-centered film is a much feels like a much more authentic time capsule of what was actually everything looked like and what people were listening to and what was going. Hmm. Uh, you're seeing young people involved, and this and this is a movie starring the host of television's only rap show. I, I don't know if B- only important one, anyways. Yeah, I'm BET must have had something, but yeah, Yo MTV raps. It was it's on during the day. It's accessible to everybody. This is a film that I remember watching many, many times on HBO, and it would be really difficult to find someone more removed from the black experience than 14-year-old JR, <laughs> okay? But these sh- movies would just come on, and I'd watch them, and I some of it really stuck with me. Like, there's a scene where they're having to take the test to become police officers and they say that they finish it so fast by just writing abacadabra on the test (laughs) now in my memory this was how they got into becoming police officers by some crazy coincidence abacadabra was the right answer to everything that wasn't in this film at all my memory just like completely rewrote that there was a scene where they say yeah i wrote abacadabra but i didn't recall a scene where they were like And you guys got the highest test scores of anyone. But my mind completely rewrote that. And I actually was one time in a test where I just knew nothing. Mm -hmm. I was at the end of my ropes and I was just like, let's abacadabba this bitch. And just wrote abacadabba for all the answers. And your professor's like, uh, who's the man reference? A plus plus. (laughs) Write your letter of recommendation. Yeah, so these guys are screw ups who work in a barber shop and now they're cops. And they're just going to put extra lights on their car. They're going to give it hydraulic lifts. Uh, So they shouldn't Uh, be police officers. it's It's hardly good. And it's, I don't know, it's not, it's hard to recommend, but it's just like what I love most of all about it is like uh i don't know of anything else like this it's a snapshot of mtv at the time Hmm. because every in addition to like the musical acts like karen duffy dennis leary colin quinn bill bellamy they're all famous mtv they're all most famous for being mtv's personality right uh people all over the channel and that never really happened before i guess i I guess I have to really applaud them for the idea that yet we're going to make a quote unquote black comedy about the police (laughs) that is referencing the L.A. riots. You know, like we've had issues with that where Let's Be Cops, the the movie Let's Be Cops, had to get pushed back because, oh, people getting shot and cops. And because of I was watching something in the next segment, and all I could think about is "Let's Be Cops," and like, is that movie even streaming? Is that like a boat? Is that like boat trip now? Like, uh, I, I and I, I had like focus, focus on work and taxes. Don't go watch "Let's Be Cops." You know you want to see it. Yep, and oh. uh, directorial debut of Ted Demi, Jonathan Demi's nephew. Yes, he did some fun stuff. The ref is fun. I mean, he worked with Dennis Leary a lot, and he died really young, which is way too young. Super I unfair. We're all older than. Ted Demi ever got there. yeah he's 38 he's 38 wow. Uh-huh. wow don't do cocaine and play basketball well, bad I'm for not, you now I'm gonna do both I'm well, gonna no. do your heart will explode that's <laughs> my nine o'clock Diana <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
That was the line I should. I'm going to use that from here on out. Anytime someone <laughs> got some weed, cancel my nine o'clock. Um, <laughs> uh, and then moving on to TV of 1993. Oh boy, do I love talking about this man. Lauren Michaels chooses Conan O'Brien, who was a writer for The Simpsons at the time and a former writer for Lauren Michaels at Saturday Night Live to fill David Letterman's old seat directly after The Tonight Show on NBC. And this is the story I would like more than anything to see made into a movie. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Because the way yeah. Conan O'Brien describes it, like, I, there's all these fascinating details about the story. Like, they had no idea what the fuck to do once David Letterman says, like, I quit and I'm going over to your competitor. And I think they said the, the company told the affiliates who were freaking out about their ratings, like, we're going to let Lorne Michaels handle this. And nobody knew what he was going to do. And I think he offered Conan a writing position. He's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want, I'm writing here at the Simpsons. I don't want to do that. I, I kind of want to perform. And he sort of like knowed his way into auditioning, which went really well, but he essentially went from the way he describes it. Like you're going into audition for the tonight show on the tonight show set for the tonight with the tonight show crew. And then you will finish and you will go back to the couch in the Simpsons writer's room and probably not get this. And then he does. And he just says like, I was a schlub walking to the writer's room and the next day was flashbulbs and celebrity. They, he's The way Conan put it, they hired the least experienced person for this job. There had been nobody who wasn't a broadcaster or a stand-up comedian to ever take this job back when there were two versions of this job in the world. And yeah. he somehow got it. Yeah. In, uh, I, I, world. Do you want to see his trial run yeah they have his uh, they uploaded his uh I, and i think he said he didn't want to do anything topical so the monologue's only about how ill-suited he is for this. <laughs> well this is him doing no. one of his first interviews yes like it would be hard no it doesn't people always say people always say it's tough to be like a model no like turning a big crank i'm is not tough. talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> you hear his uh his podcast interview about that no i didn't but he said there were people on in New York in the uh, the West Coast and the East Coast watching the feed of this. And when he said that line about the crank, he's like, all the old executives like, we love the thing you did with the crank. And all he did was like <laughs> pantomime cranking. <laughs> he says that's hard. <laughs> every, and every time he talked to them, he said, never met these people, but they hold his fate and in like, love the thing you did with the crank. And it might have defined Conan's entire physical comedy persona because that was the feedback he got yeah, from people who held the, his fate in his It was so bizarre. It's so weird at the time, too. That's like Letterman is the weird guy. That's why he's on late night. Mm -hmm. He's been there for a decade, more than a decade. The, yeah, now he's going to go head to head with Leno. Who knows? You know, all bets are off. Who knows what's going to happen? Can he be normal enough for to steal Tonight Show viewers? And then to see who they were looking at to replace Letterman is fascinating. And why they picked the unknown with no performing experience blows my fucking mind. So Dana Carvey and Gary Shandling were the two yeah. front runners and they both ended up saying no and, and which it's why, it's why both I mentioned... would have killed but the perfect venue for could both be weirder it, they could be weirder they're also a little bit older shanling in particular i feel like is more of a tonight show guy not a late night guy there is a difference and he's already doing a show lampooning the yes. format yes. so he's like what? Already, I bet he's already tired of this format. Why would I want to do this five nights a week? And they and they may have just put him up there to what do you call it? 
coax him into the like we got this other young guy we can get for cheaper so if you don't take mm. this job we're we have a replacement for you but anyway anyway yeah like it, it it's one yeah. of the funniest stories ever because he goes from like a no-named writer that nobody knew to flying out to like executive nbc parties and like meetings and foisted in front of cameras and flash bulbs having to talk in front of people and he wasn't a stand wasn't a stand-up yeah i and- remember the talk of the schoolyard was like they're picking a random person they're just picking <laughs> Uh, someone's name out of a hat, right? And dude, before he did the thing with his hair, he has a really hateable like Harvard face. <laughs> like you want to hate this guy. <laughs> He's, he just looks like a little wiener dweeb. Uh, but I love Conan. I'm glad he got it. But like he said, the least experienced person in the world got one of these two spots. Yeah. You know who else auditioned? Hmm. Well, I think the one who should be the most mad is Paul Provenza because he's had the least career out of all the people who auditioned. But he's uh, fine. He's he's a solid stand-up and he's he done some, some acting. He some court. You know, he's he's done fair, some, some stuff. He ends up taking over on uh, Northern Exposure shortly after this because uh, Rob Marley's. But Drew Carey and John Stewart, both of which would have destroyed at this job. Drew Carey especially. Honestly, I got to say Drew Carey would have been the best choice. Carvey would have been good if he ended up with the same writers he had for Dana Carvey's show. If that's the kind of nuts I mean, you have to be, if you want to, I mean, you want to do I mean, a sketch about. He did have the puppies. same writers he had on the Dana Carvey show, and that failed miserably. If he has right. the same writers, it's gonna just like crash and burn. No, that failed because it was on a, with Home Improvement. Yeah, it was on at eight o'clock. If you put that on at twelve thirty, even at twelve thirty, I'm not sure we want to see Bill Clinton's six nipples breastfeeding. You don't want to see twelve thirty. You're Massachusetts skinheads, Stephen uh, Colbert takes all kinds, takes all kinds. Yeah, but you need that, like that little bit of weirdness. The uh, idea of like we're just gonna go, yeah, let's go to the deli next door and just ask dumb questions. Let's go blow something up. Let's throw something off a building. Whatever. Yeah, it, it, it's bizarre. And, and again, the only reason this happened is because it, it, a stall tactic from the network. We put the guy who created SNL on this. He has no fucking idea what to do. And my other favorite story that Conan tells, because I love Conan O'Brien, he's like, yeah, I thought Lauren chose me because I was the funniest writer and he loved me and thought I was funny. He's like, you were polite. (laughs) (laughs) Lauren Michaels is Canadian through and through. I knew you'd be polite to the guests and you're a good listener. And like, uh, oh, okay. Like, (laughs) I think he said years later, he asked, why did you choose me? It wasn't because he was the funniest person, but but he, Conan is one of the funniest people ever. He is uh, ridiculous. The funny, and now we know from the birthday quiz from what last week that he was thirty. He had just turned thirty. Yeah. Yep. We're all failures. 30. Failures ever. Oh yeah, huge. Failures. Huge failure. failure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thirty percent older than him. I don't like it. I've never been in a Todd <laughs> Solomon's movie. Also this week, Homefront ends. Based on the THQ game about Korea invading America. No, uh, it started in 1991. Yeah, so this is about post-World War II America. It's like the war is all out, and it tackles lots of issues. It tackles anti-Semitism in America. It tackles racism. It tackled uh, gender roles. But it's very, you know, 1991 about all those things. Hmm. Yeah. But it, it was an interesting period piece, honestly, I'd love it if they rebooted this as a Netflix special with, you know, just really tackle the post-war world. I mean, it gets forgotten because we had prosperity after World War II, but a lot of people after World War II were going, well, I guess there'll be a second Great Depression because there was one of those after World War I, so our economy is going to go horrible. Didn't happen that way, but a lot of people feared it, and that's 
almost never shown in yes. period films. Yeah, and you got people coming back. They got what they called shell shock back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're having trouble adjusting to things have changed since they were gone. And uh, yeah, it's one of those shows the critics loved and nobody watched it. And it starred Kyle Chandler and you fools. <laughs> also ending, uh, starting around the same time, Reasonable Doubts, plural. That was a yeah. lawyering show with uh, Marley Matlin. And yep. um, what's his name? That other guy. Yep, uh, the other guy about the deaf lawyer and the police officer whose sister was deaf, so he can do sign language, so they team up together. Yeah. Honestly, I I can't think of a TV show since then that has starred a deaf protagonist. Gosh, if this, no. pod, if this podcast were being recorded, let's say, 13 years ago, whenever we started doing this, I would do a deaf person doing Ace Attorney lines right now. Instead, I'm going to ask <laughs> that you in your head conjure those yourself. <laughs> and then Thank don't you. tell them because I know they're not listening. Thank you for your restraint. Oh. That was yeah. I, I think I've grown. I think I've grown as a person. <laughs> uh, and uh, my favorite fucking detail of the week. That's why I mentioned it up top. Debuting on CBS and then running for nine seasons of two hundred three episodes and a TV movie, which ended on a cliffhanger that's never been resolved. Walker Texas Ranger debuts, and maybe that's why whenever like when this became a huge hit via Conan. I don't want to over-explain the bit, but he, he NBC Universal merged. And he's like, now we can play Walker Texas Rangers clips whenever we want. He'd pull a crank and play an out-of-context, like, 30-second scene of what... And, like, is this a student film? This looks fucking awful. I'm like, oh, because it was... It may have been for it, 1993, and the budget and the production values never, ever enhanced after that. It, it was Because all- it didn't need to be. It's Chuck oh. Norris. I know you've seen uh, that uh, boogie... Not... Harlem and Globus and Golan and Globus, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, the documentary on them. What was uh, it called? Oh, good. Electric Boogaloo. Yep. Electric Boogaloo. I know you saw that documentary. The thing about Chuck Norris was he was cheap and they could crank out movies about him. And that's just taking that movie attitude and putting it on TV show. Yeah, these are going to look, look like dirt cheap, which means we're going to make a lot of money. People will still watch them and nine seasons and 203 episodes. Just- this was fucking huge. Like anywhere but me and my friends and my family, we didn't watch this. I was reading about how popular it was all over the world. This was huge. Walker, Texas Ranger. It is one of the most ridiculous things America has ever done. I don't regret <laughs> it. I'm glad they did it. But it's like, it's funnier than Renegade. Uh, <laughs> it's, I don't know what else to say about Walker, Texas Ranger. It is so absurd. It's the sucks. co-creator hated this show. And it was J. Michael Straczynski, (laughs) (laughs) who left the project to go, I'm going to go work on Babylon 5, and I'm not going to see this project through. Was it? Yeah. Went around for the casting of Chuck Norris. Or or do you mean another co-creator, Paul Haggis, the motherfucker? That's the one I met. (laughs) Who wrote and directed Crash. And Quantum of Solace. Holy crud. Is that an upgrade? Well, I could have stayed on for nine seasons of walker texas ranger instead i did quantum of solace and million dollar baby i got cut a check for the rest of my life for 200 episodes exactly i don't even know like like go look on youtube i do wonder sometimes how much i love conan what bitch you can show and it turns out a lot especially from that early on like uh the uh the ghost of the lounge singer who just sang racist songs still funny (laughs) and uh, and and uh his remote still funny and his walker Conan O'Brien, just Conan Walker, Texas Ranger on YouTube will you hours of delight. And I remember it, someone asked him, like, why did you stop doing that? And he's like, oh, 
because Walker wanted to be paid every time we did that. Mm. Like for real, for yeah. like twenty seconds, and like it might have been Patton Oswalt, and like yeah, yeah, like we like they thought because the USA Network may have popularized Walker Texas Ranger because it was like rerun simultaneously, like Family Guy on Adult Swim on on USA Network, and they mm. thought because USA Network is owned by NBC Universal, the show's not owned by NBC Universal. It was running on CBS, so. Uh, anyway, that's boring. Also out this week, Batman, the animated series, uh, the Laughing Fish episode debut. So the Joker was a scary murderer in his first appearance in the 1930s. But then there was like a 40-year period where he was just this wacky prankster. Okay. the <laughs> Yeah. The murderous, scary Joker that you love today, pretty much, if you have to pick a date, started in the Laughing Fish comic. And this is an adaptation of that. And as an adaptation, it's fine. It's not as dark as the comic because this is on network television for kids. But, you know, it's it's a good take on that comic for the year it came out. I'd love to see it redone on a full, you know, mini made for a streaming movie. I, why, I don't know why you wouldn't. I, I was in Walmart the other day. And it's like 80 Batman films. Like there are like every major arc in the comics has been animated yeah at, at this point so why the fuck not and even then jr when they're making rated r straight to video batman movies they still sanitize them uh so yeah. they are more violent than you would expect uh love love batman the animated series and then also is this a kids in the hall episode or this, this, this no this is just one of my favorite kids in the hall skits of all time so i had to include it i'm sorry i'd love to be of assistance to you but i'm afraid i speak no english <laughs> Pardon? Ah, uh, I see by the expression on your face that you're confused by my statement. Perhaps you doubt its veracity, but let me assure you, I speak not a word of English. Oh, what are you talking about, huh? You see, everything that I'm saying to you, I've learned to speak phonetically. As to the meanings of the individual words or the procumbent rules of syntax, I haven't a clue. Very, very good. Good <laughs> Might be the best sketch comedy show of all time. It's got the most bangers. I mean, episode for episode, I think it is. I mean, that's Scott Thompson character, which appears sometimes the the really dumb Canadian, really dumb Canadian guy. Yeah, love him. I love him. But yeah, while living in Japan, I so wanted to memorize this in Japanese. I just wanted to sit in the mirror and practice it for like hours and hours. And then just whip it out and see <laughs> how long I could get it going for. I, I never did. Uh, you see, because I'm not fluent in your language. I, yes. <laughs> My sincerest apologies, but I speak yes. no Japanese whatsoever. <laughs> and then moving on to video games, once again, a game that was too good for society's good. Cool spot on Genesis. <laughs> cool spot, a great game, and it's... led everybody else to believe their cartoon mascot deserved a game. Too. Is cool spot the dot from the seven up? Logo. It is the dot from the seven up. Yeah, ah, seven yeah. Up. we have not hit the a bottom dot. of the barrel yet, have we? We just come up with anything. It, it's delivered a game on now. His, it delivered his promise. He was fucking cool. He <laughs> rode a bottle to the beach, and then you started playing shit. It was awesome. It. I, I say that it's amazing to me how there's no good games in the past that I'm not nostalgic for. That all the platformers that I never played as a young kid are garbage. This is one of the exceptions. I never played this as a kid. I tried to play it for this episode, and it's good. It's a rare Genesis platformer with good controls, 
The level design is fun. The mechanic is fun. For the Genesis, the animation is gorgeous. They make that spot look cool. <laughs> He's always wearing sunglasses. Oh, Jesus and then also out this week, Cyborg Justice for the Genesis. We're talking mostly about some Sega games here. Cyborg Justice. Do they get it? Mm. It's all about yeah. them filing lawsuits. <laughs> Demanding. Our- uh, reparations Mike Cyborg cyborgs. did not receive the L27 when he was clearly promised it. Instead, <laughs> he was implanted the M23. We seek justice, your honor. Cyborg justice. <laughs> There's a whole really long quick time event where you have to give a deposition. It just goes on forever. Uh, also this week, Revenge of the Ninja on Sega CD, which if you asked my mom, she thought this was the title of every game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you think in a game called revenge of the ninja the ninja would be seeking wrath of black manta returning returning is accurate there is no revenge in this revenge of the ninja it is not a ninja going after revenge it is a dragon's lair game where you push it and dragon's lair is only cool because you're playing on a laser disc and the animation looks great on the sega cd it's you know postage stamp anime animation and it's not good and then lastly, Sega Classics Arcade Collection, a 5-in-1 game for Sega CD. Oh, I had to throw this in there because the whole draw of the Sega CD was this can hold a hundred times the memory of your previous games. And yet, you know, you're getting five games for your one CD. And I just look at that and then compare it to some of the collections these days where it's like, here's a hundred Sega games for five dollars. Does that seem fair? But they <laughs> didn't do enough with the Sega CD. If they really want it to be a system seller, it should be like, you know what? Here's every Master System game. Go nuts. You're you're not wrong, but like the way arcades still work, these games were still doing business in arcade. Like to put them on this system was a crazy feat. Because the, the Sega was sort of designed to bring the arcade experience home and it couldn't. The Genesis, I mean. And, uh, and the Sega CD was kind of realizing that. But simultaneously, like, Sega was losing the clout they had in arcades by focusing on their consoles, so it was kind of meaningless. And uh, it, it, interesting times. Uh, book! Book! The Last Command, 30 years ago this oh, week. Oh, they finally yeah. are adapting the 1928 Joseph von Sternberg movie starring Emily Jannings? I want everyone oh. who got that reference to write in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Or this is the conclusion of the Timothy Zahn trilogy, which was the start of Star Wars's return. You have no idea how dead Star Wars was in 1991, 1992, and 93. And these books were designed to like bring it back. This is, in many ways, what most consider the start of the EU Star Wars universe, where all those millions I, of things. If I were writing an article about the extended universe of Star Wars, I would put Admiral Thrawn on it. Like, he's yep. the most significant non-movie character there is, and he's being fucking teased in Mandalorian every week. Mm-hmm. Every week. Yep, I, I caught that too. Thing. I haven't read any of these books, but I heard Giancarlo Esposito say something about Admiral Thrawn, and my little ears perked up. Oh, excuse me? Hello. I know yeah. he's a blue Nazi. Oh. Yeah, but he's a great character. He deserves all the love he gets. He is... Such a reasonable villain when someone messes up in front of him and allows Luke Skywalker to escape. It's set up as like, oh, he's going to do a Vader. And instead he goes, you thought quickly on your feet. You're getting a promotion for that, even though you failed. Good job. 
<laughs> oh, sweet. He's not choked <laughs> out in front of his peers. Yeah. yeah. And he's a he's a good commander, and this he dies. Sorry, spoilers for a 30-year-old book, but he dies in the end of the book, and I'm amazed that he's such a huge character when he died on his third appearance. But this book has what is, I checked on the Reddit thread about the extended universe, pretty much universally agreed, the most famous line in the entire extended universe. Every comic book, every video game, every novel, and there's been hundreds of all of those. This has the most ex- famous line in the extended universe. And you can quote it to Star Wars fans and they'll probably get it. And I don't think that's true for almost any other. I, I don't. Extended. Yeah. Okay. Nope. Is that the line? But it was so artistically done. That is Grand Admiral Thrawn's last words as he's assassinated in a complex plot. <laughs> and he's a lover of art and he's been showing his love of art throughout all three books. And it's all of his plans falling apart because he didn't spot this assassination. And his final words are, but it was so artistically done. (laughs) It's a badass way to go out. Yeah, I know he's been reintroduced since the Disney buyout in the the cartoons. But like, I I still have no idea of his magnitude other than what my friends have told me. It's going to be whatever Disney decides. But if... Gosh, I wish they would have made the sequel trilogies about him. That would have just been better than what is we that, got by him. Is that when it was set? It was set five years after uh, the, the Battle of Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the Battle of Endor. But yeah, five years after Endor. So the rebellion was mopping up the pieces, but there were still a significant amount of Imperial forces. And that's the way civil wars usually are. There's, yeah. generally speaking, not one great final civil war battle that just ends everything they usually peter out to some degree yeah there's some madness i i really like that the mandalorian has taken on that's like and everything is not immediately better like you have to reintegrate right. a lot of people mm-hmm. in society you have to do you know getting rid of the super hardcore guys but seeing if you can give everyone else jobs and, and there's a lot of bureaucracy and no one knows who's in charge and a lot of things get overlooked and they fuck up well thank I, you I've never, I've never seen a franchise that's uh more skittish about ambiguity and nuance than Star Wars fans. And apparently the Mandalorian season three ratings have plunged because yeah, they're they're like, uh, yeah, this is a detailed look at the in-between guys. I don't know what you expected this to be. Like you're not going to see Luke Skywalker every episode. Sorry. Um, Uh, Also, this is the series that gave us uh, Mara Jade. Oh, Oh, I've heard of her. Yeah. She's prop other than Thrawn, she's probably the second most famous standard oh. universe character. If she might even be more famous than him, actually. Okay. And then lastly, for 1993, we got music and former by Snow is still number one, but there's some still! new releases out this week, April 21st. So through the 27th, uh, Bubble and Scrape by Sebadoa, The Infotainment Scam by The Fall, Exposed by Vince Neal, Frosting on the Beater by The Posies, uh, Hurry Sundown by McBride and the Ride, and the self-titled debut of Pornos for Pyros, Suck at Jane's Addiction. Harry's over here now. Harry. Yep. Uh, so we'll close that with Pets by Pornos for Pyros, because you do not know another song of theirs. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad, and but it's true. It's true. <laughs> Second I saw uh, I was like, oh, is that the one Pets is on? Of course it is. Of course. There you go. Uh, we come back. Hey, man. Ten years later, 2003. Don't move.
Coming to 2003 with American Life by Madonna off the album of the same name and uh, Ray of Light. This is not, but <laughs> it's Madonna. So there you go. Uh, welcome to 2003. 20 years ago, April 21st and the 27th, other new music releases include The Blessed Hell Ride by uh, Black Label Society, Damnation by Opeth, Jerusalem uh, and Dope Smoker by Sleep, Kimigasuki by Matthew Sweet, Chris Styles by KRS-One, Songs of Life by Brett Michaels, Welcome to Dun Vegas by Pete Buck. Fairy, sorry for Rick Sanchezing that. In the club by uh, 50 Cent is still number one, and uh, Coachella acts that is something we're probably gonna have to start mentioning on a regular basis, aren't we? Yep, Beastie Boys, Queens of the Stone Age, Blur, Black Eyed Peas, Talib Kweli, Red Hot Chili Peppers, White Stripes, Sonic Youth. Oh, a bunch of artists I recognize. Unlike the latest Coachella thing, we're like, I usually get the big bolded one, like, not this year. <laughs> Did not know who that was. And uh, a little bit of news to bring you the wonderful world of 20 years ago. Beijing closes all schools because of the SARS virus. Tyranny. Tyranny. <laughs> yeah, I believe this about sums it up then. Listen, I have SARS. There's only a 98% chance that I will live. No, Dad, no. Listen, Stan. SARS is destroying our people. The Native Americans put it in the blankets they gave us. <coughs> Soon there will be only 98% of us left. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's a ridiculous amount of big, important events of the last 20 years who my mind instantly inserts a South Park clip for. <laughs> we should probably, I don't know, what this, uh, this year is another one of those renaissance south park years and we'll talk about an episode in a second but like where every episode is hysterical and god i wish i could say that sometimes <laughs> or thank you for expressing something that i'm feeling like again why south park's kind of a fun institution sometimes when it's not libertarian apathetic drivel which it sometimes yeah. can be mm -hmm. uh movies of 2003 oh. april 21st to 27th oh this another movie another one right up at the top tiny indie movie I want more people to hear of it. I would like more people to see it. I would like to be able to see it because I had to like go fishing out like my standard definition DVD of better luck tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by this. Mm -hmm. um, it's right. a story you've heard a number of times, except it's with an ethnic group, which I think this may be the only story of that ethnic group I've heard like this. It's a young kid. He's good. He falls in with the wrong crowd. He gets into crime. And does he stay in it? Does he learn a lesson? How's that going to turn out? Except it's a bunch. It's about a bunch of Asian boys in high school. And I've seen that story with white people and I've seen it with black people. I don't think I have personally seen that story with Asian men before. No, it's it's it, for, uh, from someone who watches a lot of shit. Like it, this is me trying to promote beef. Like one of my favorite things I've seen on television this year on netflix mm -hmm. uh with steven yen and ali wong but an all asian production that's still like a great story in and of itself but just that layer of it like well i guess i've never seen this before <laughs> like we don't have a lot of all asian productions and this is like a teenage crime caper that eventually mtv picks up the distribution rights to 
Yeah, the, the making of this is kind of nuts. It was big debut, really, of Justin Lin, who Justin Lin. is now best known for Fast and Furious movies. Uh, you know, with with Sung Kang, it's appara- got Han apparently playing the same character. Yeah. <laughs> so this is yeah Han Origins, but uh, I mean it's loosely it's a lot more serious than I would have expected for a Fast and Furious origin story. I mean yeah. this doesn't go crazy or wackety. No, it's, it's not. It is not. It is. It is loosely based on a true story that happened uh, not far from me, right when I like got into high school, and it was about these like. There's there need to be a lot more movies, honestly, made about this of children of immigrants, especially Asian immigrants, mm-hmm. having these ridiculously high standards and these yeah. re- super overachieving kids. You have to go to an Ivy League school. You have to become, you know, a fan- fancy chemist or a doctor or something. And so they're it's not just like, oh, it's about falling in with a gang like these are all AP students with straight A's. That's mm-hmm. the whole thing. They are. But, you know, they got problems probably because these expectations on them are so high and they can't, ex- like, they're just trapped. Like, they're trapped in this, the, the, with, with the expectations of their parents that they have to be, you know, this model minority perfect. And they have to be the best kid at math and they got to do everything so great. And so they start for scheming of just, like, selling test answers. And then it, it, it escalates to murder. And, and yeah, so it escalates to, by the way, JR, the paintball episode of Community. That's yeah, the first paintball episode. The first, pa- the first and best paintball episode. Yeah. So I, like I, I, when I first saw this, I was like, holy shit, this guy nailed it because yeah. Cause he's kind of from the, the same area and that he's also was like, <laughs> he's stereotypical overachieving Asian kid in Southern California. Uh, you know, went off to film school, got his master's, and I'm sure broke his parents' hearts because that's you're not supposed to do that. There's no money in that. Aha! Fast forward. <laughs> but what what's so funny though is yeah, we don't see a lot of Asian representation in film, and that caused some controversy because the idea is why are you representing them badly? Why are you saying mm. these kids are that oh Asian kids can be bad kids? Again, playing into that model minority stereotype of just like, oh, no, they're so good at everything. They're not people. They're like tiny robots. It's like, no, there's stories. There's bad kids everywhere. There's, you know, cheerleaders who do drugs and there's stoners who actually aren't stoners, but they're very smart at something. You know, we contain multitudes. But yeah, the the controversy of like, you're making Asian kids look bad ended up exploding it. Is it Sundance? Because mm-hmm. I saw you grab the clip of Roger Ebert going off because he loved this movie. He championed it pretty strongly. Oh, Brad, I want to see this. Hear this. So. What I uh, find very offensive and condescending about your statement is nobody would say to a bunch of white filmmakers, how could you do this to your people? Yeah. Yeah. This film has the right to be about these people and Asian American characters have the right to be whoever the hell they want to be. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Get on him, Roger. Tell him, Roger. Oh, no. You can't make a movie where black kids do bad things. That'll make people racist against black kids. What what the fuck are you talking about? Mm. Every, every, people are people. It doesn't matter what ethnicity they are, and you should tell the varying stories. Humanize them, goddammit. Knee-jerk people trying to do the right thing. I thought this was like kind of a breath of fresh air, though. It's like because it's like the little crime story I would have loved to have lived, but didn't get the opportunity. <laughs> I don't think you uh, would. It doesn't end well. 
I know, but like, it doesn't mean like we all like had little fantasies. Like, man, if someone from the mafia comes up to me in Tallahassee, <laughs> Florida, I'm gonna be like, yeah, not gonna Matthew Broderick freshman this year. I'm gonna love it. Yeah, Take by the reins. Exactly. And, and, the Gambinos will tell me you're the I'm the specialist little boy, <laughs> and I'm gonna be a 15 year old, and everyone shows me respect because 15 year olds don't get any because they don't kind of deserve any, but. <laughs> 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 yeah, no better luck tomorrow. I mean, yeah, it's a solid it's a crime crime caper. Yeah, I think you it's could great. you could yeah. set it just about anywhere, but the the fact that it is set amongst these like kids who are all studying for the SAT super hard kind yeah. of gives it an extra dimension that's very interesting. And uh semi-affluent and and Yeah, exactly. Sadly, you can only stream it through stars, which is like just one of those things okay. I can't justify paying for in this day and age. MTV brought us that movie, distributed it, picked up the distribution rights. Oh, oh that was the other thing. Some of the money <laughs> came from mc hammer wow really yeah justin lynn met him because he was working at the like japanese american museum in la as like a part-time gig while he was in college and somehow he got to mc hammer before he blew all the rest of his money giving him dbz episodes what the fuck why would hammer strike up a relationship with this kid i i don't know i tried to dig into that more but yeah he he got some of the money because he was shopping the script around and People were like, oh, yeah, this is really good, but it's got to star white kids. Could we get Macaulay Culkin? And he's like, no, that's not the fucking point. And he held out and he, he made the movie he wanted to make, which is really fucking tough if you're a first time screenwriter and they're offering you what seems like a ton of money. But movies are really expensive. But he did uh, it. He like ran up his credit cards, that kind of shit, like fucking made it. Not yeah, every movie. because This is why, well, I, again, I always say I miss MTV. They were they put out some their their film track record is really good Overall. Uh, as far as movies goes it's like only jackass now but it used to be this an election and other stuff uh, <laughs> and some documentaries but this was not the next movie was not an mtv movie but it was people who basically made what mtv kind of is now the people who made the real world trying to make the real world into a cinematic experience starring some people in the real cancun and most of the time this gets slammed as one of the worst movies ever made and it's not a movie it's not a movie and it doesn't do what you want it to do like you you basically they're promising you it's girls gone wild the movie with better production values and it's not even that it's just some people out on spring break there you go Someone find these people 20 years later, now that they're all in their early 40s, and just interview them about this experience. Like, so as a 40-something-year-old, what do you think of your experiences being on the real Cancun? Are you going to show it to your kids? <laughs> like like nobody on the Wikipedia page in the cast has a, bl- has a name in blue that's clickable. Hmm. So that might be the harder than you think to do. But yeah, to try and bring the reality format into movie theaters. And I remember when reality happened. is garbage. It's not <laughs> meant to be this great right. cinematic experience. Reality TV is meant to be like sports games. You watch it, but you're not going to like go to the movie theater to watch a five-year-old sports game. But, you know, but that's even, what... even now, reality shows, like they have writers for a reason. They are setting up scenarios, even if they're not handing people pages of dialogue, even though sometimes they are. Yeah. Uh, but but like I remember having that argument when I was working in media that like reality shows, we got to do them. They're cheap to do. And like that is passive entertainment and passive entertainment doesn't work on the Internet. And it doesn't work when you have to pay extra for it. Like no one gives a... I could be wrong. There's like a rise in Netflix That's... and 
HBO Max. Are there any streaming reality shows that there's have tons. broken out? Yeah. That have oh, broken yeah. out? There, there's tons. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but okay. like those people have been weaned on cable television. Like kids don't care about that shit at all. Yeah, re- the reality reality shows like, oh my God, it looks like something's going to happen. Let's cut to commercial and see the same dramatic thing 30 times. Like that doesn't work at all. It, <laughs> especially when you have a, infinite options in front of you, which you didn't. Uh, anyway, but Real Cancun is like, a hilarious misstep like just hubris it's worth it's worth going off on because i tried to watch it one time and like what the fuck is this <laughs> this is barely entertaining yeah like mtv already gives me this for free yeah it's 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 some hot people go on spring break and spring break things happen but not like in like why don't you just write it like why why don't you just just write uh, an out. I mean, they probably yeah. did have some sort of outline. Apparently, they you know they shot it and they edited it. And because they, that movie has been made a thousand times, Diana. There's yeah. a thousand USA Up All Night Spring Break movies. I, their only uh, hint to get people in is like this one's real. This one, things explode and they kidnap the queen's cat. <laughs> well, or maybe James Franco will show up with metal teeth. I mean, at least that, at least that one has it, it goes in a different direction than everything else would go for spring break it's so pointless this is just it's such a bad idea it i really don't get like it why would you of... put this in theaters no one is going to oh yes i want to spend money to do this and even the cover promised salaciousness that it doesn't deliver on don't watch this this is not a like oh man can you believe like this sucks yeah and it's, it's like pointless. it's a branch of pop culture that thankfully was ne- like just died and uh, has nothing else grown from it other than maybe jackass. Uh, up next is uh, Kieran Culkin, Cameron Douglas, Kirk Douglas, Michael Douglas, and it runs in the family, not to be confused for the Christmas story sequel. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So this is odd because it's sort of a family dramedy, but all the people playing related people are related except for Kieran Culkin. Uh, Kirk Douglas and his ex-wife yeah. are play a married couple. Michael Douglas is their son. His son Cameron Douglas is his son. And it's it's post-stroke Kirk Douglas. So I appreciate him still getting out there and working, even though, you know, he's got some speech problems. But it's so, like, okay, why didn't you just make a documentary about your family yeah. <laughs> why are why you why would we want to see the life of the fucking douglases uh, i would over... love to see yeah. that and there are and there's this these movies one. needed to switch places yeah yes. <laughs> needed to be fiction and this needed to be a reality movie god we fixed so many movies on this show yeah we're really good at our job we're so, so good at this you guys yeah, you know, family dramedy stuff. Who's going to inherit the whatevers? And, oh, they can't get along, but they really love each other in the end. Kind of just sort of the forgettable. I don't care. You know, it's, it's I guess it's a novelty to have all these Douglas, Douglas I together. <laughs> Who cares? I'm sorry. I don't care. I would just rather watch Kirk and Michael have a two-hour conversation reminiscing about shit. Eh. Look at 2003 this year. Holy shit. Like, I can't believe, like, my most recommended movie is Phone Booth. Uh, <laughs> this doesn't get any better, even with a cast like uh, Robert Foster and fucking Paul Giamatti and Andy Garcia and Dustin Hoffman. Rachel Wise and Edward Burns. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and Confidence. 
critics are feeling confidence. These kind of people have the money. This is actually some technique to it. Four stars, a stylish, compelling crime caper. You do not want to scare me, Junior. You never know when I'm going to lose it. Dustin Hoffman is brilliant. Why do you let her do that? I care about her. It will keep you guessing and laughing from beginning to end. Okay. Yes. Uh, confidence. Yes. I didn't see it. It's like the sting, but not as fun. Yeah. Now I'm just <laughs> worried, you know, right after putting a, it's always fun putting a, your digital purchase of hero on your taxes. And I was just like, what, what, what is Dustin Hoffman? Okay. I know he got a, 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 a he got a light me too in there mm-hmm. somewhere. Where's Dustin Hoffman? He's not dead yet. No, he's older. You know, yes, yeah, he's a millionaire a thousand times over. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting that we have two movies this week that are both about, Hey, that rich guy, I'm a, I'm a steal all his shit. And that's we're going to get a crew together and we're going to steal all of his shit. Uh, and we're varying levels of competent at Son it. of a bitch, I'm in! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And yeah, this one, it, it really ended up just feeling like, oh, uh, it's like the sting, but it's more recent, which is fine. I do I do love a good twisty turny movie where like you never know, was that part of the plan or not part of the plan? Like it ended up being like, I had totally forgot this movie existed. And I watched it like, that was okay. It's got a lot of good people in it. They got business to do. Burns. It's fine. It's yeah. got Edward Burns. Edward Burns. Yeah. It was just, it ended up being kind of unremarkable for me. We're, we're still in, is we're, it's not summer yet. So we're still in movies that are like, it's fine. <laughs> it's like the vast majority of things I watched this week. I'm oh like, man. That's, that's that brings us to the, what a, it's fine. Yeah. It's like, yeah. If, if you like, you know, con man heist movies, confidences, it's fine. It's it's perfectly capable. It does okay. Yeah, this next movie, I have, I have, I love hate it so much. <laughs> I think I've said that bef- before on the show. I- I'm good at this portion of the show because in 90, 93 to two thousand three, I made it a point to watch every fucking movie ever that ever came out, and uh, no matter what, it, almost no matter what it was, and the things that among the things that tested my patience was our next movie, which is number one at the box that like, I'm not, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't waste this much fucking time. Uh, John C. McGinley, John Hawks, Rebecca DeMornay, Clea Duvall. I really almost said Crudeville, Amanda Pete, <laughs> Ray Liotta, and John Cusack. It's number one, baby. It's identity. What happened to the motel? It's an accident. We had an accident. On April 25th. The roads were all flooded and I could use the room. I am not staying here. Are you out of your mind? Ten strangers. We're stuck here. I don't think we can get out tonight. Or about for her. Maybe there's some connection between all of us. They're not strangers. My birthday next week. Me too. Me too. At all. Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. We need to leave. I saw it. We all saw what happened. Identity. Rated up. Promise me this isn't room 403 or whatever. <laughs> Oh, I wish it was. Okay, this is the worst M. Night Shyamala movie that M. Night Shyamala had nothing to do with. <laughs> this, this is built around a twist that is neither handled well, original, or interesting. Okay, I'm, I'm going to spoil it for you. Yeah, and please. I hope you guys don't turn away because there's no reason to watch this movie. And maybe if I spoil it, you won't watch this movie. Okay. It's multiple personality disorder. All the people you see at the hotel are aspects of his multiple personality, but they're not interesting. It's not like, this is the angry side of me. This is the happy side of me. This is the innocent side of me. No, these are just characters. They they, they, they are dumb, stupid characters. And the whole framing device 
is that this guy is before a judge and attorneys trying to decide if he's a sane enough to be executed. And we are supposed to have the idea that inside of his mind, this mental battle between all his multiple personalities is going together. And at the end of it, that somehow convinces the judge to not kill him. Okay, let's let's think of how that would actually work in this instance. Oh, I'm I'm tied up to the chair right now and I'm trapped, but actually I'm a 7-year-old child and I'm escaping. Oh no. Now the angry guy from Scrubs has been killed. Oh no. Now I'm a convict. Uh but I'm posing posing as a cop. But oh no, here's the actual cop. He killed me by saving me. And oh no. Now I'm the only last surviving personality which is a hot sexy prostitute just like my hot sexy prostitute mom who beat me all the time when I was young. Obviously, I have no issues. Freedom, please. (laughs) (laughs) There should be applause there. JR, I feel a little triggered because that reminds me of giving presentations in middle school that I did not prepare for. (laughs) How that would have gone. Uh, I fucking hate, like, just, why is why is this a movie? Like, this has already been done so many times. Yeah. Does people mind that yet? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's good. You know, I guess the we're inside a killer's mind is kind of like the cell, which at least was stylish. This, I mean, oh, identity. I, I get it. Yeah, I I like the the basic setup of being, you know, like a locked room mystery, like an Agatha Christie thing, and people get picked off one at a time, and they're, you know, stuck in this motel, and they can't get out, and they try to get out, and they're just back at the motel, and it's like, some of that is really fun, and it's it's done well, and it's directed by James Mangold, who knows what he's doing, but, uh, yeah, when you realize, oh, this is, it's all inside his head, and, and I just think, like, I just watched Adaptation, bitches. I just watched it. Yeah. We just talked about bad serial killer movies and maybe they're all the same person and then months later this movie's out where they're all the same person motherfuckers i i I hated this give donald kaufman your money (laughs) (laughs) it's so 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 silly but like there's like i have to say like i love hate it because no i don't think it's good no i don't think the payoff is worth it at all i think the payoff is dumb but the setup i kind of enjoy and then then the idea of like we find out oh yeah they're all the personalities inside the serial killer's head and they kind of go back to there and now it's like well which one of them's gonna kill all the others like now you want them to kill each other <laughs> that's that's a weird turn to make in a movie and it Ugh. it doesn't pull it off but it's a weird turn of just like oh yes now i am rooting for everyone to die <laughs> Okay, yeah, no. And they ruined that because the boy's alive. The boy is the secret, really bad personality. Oh my gosh, what a twist. What a twist. I'm going to ruin everything I can. Don't see this. Yep, yep. (laughs) One of them's not really dead. That's straight out of, and then there were none. Don't watch this boy's life. Yeah, don't don't watch Identity, but it is, yeah. It's it's, it's not uh, quite a good, bad movie, though. It's just sort of like a, wait, what? Like, you don't want to have beers and watch it with your friends and make fun of it. No, it's not even that type no, of thing. It's not no, that it's, type of thing. It's, it's just, I don't know. The, the totally disconcerting thing about John Cusack, who I feel like he was having the same career experience as Johnny Depp for a while. Like, mm. I'm not going to be in the big action movie. I'm going to do stuff with my friends and be in weird stuff, high fidelity. And it's, I can't believe it's like 20 years since like I couldn't trust John Cusack being on the cover of something <laughs> to, 
Because, again, if you have not walked in a Walmart, you do not know the thousands of movies John Cusack has been in in the last three years. It, it, it's it's crazy. All unremarkable. It's it just unbelievable. I thought, ah, he was he was my he was my mark of quality. He was my Nintendo seal of quality back in the day. Yeah. Uh, John Cusack. It is a tough call whether this or 1408 is a better twisty, turny John Cusack horror movie with the hotel in it. Because like 1408, kind of liked, and this was like, I kind of like 1408. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to disparage winner. it. Yeah, so. I I think that one might be better because this one is like I'm enjoying it, but I'm also like you fuckers, you gotta be fucking kidding me! What are you doing? <sighs> really? Let's move on to TV. Mister uh, Personality debuts on Fox because he's so ugly. Creepiest dating show of all time? Yeah, Question Fox, mark? Really, yeah, I know. Fox okay. is really throwing everything, throwing all the creepy shit against the wall. All right, all the men have to wear masks, but they're not like cute, interesting mask of cartoon animals or anything like that. These are serial killer masks. Yeah. These are the type of mask you see someone walking towards you, you run. Yeah. You don't fight. You run if someone is in this mask. Dude, MF Doom dude, man. It's a it's a peacekeeper. <laughs> or what's what's the show with John Cena? Peacemaker. Peacemaker. They look like the peacemaker mask, but like yeah, without, without the, the rainbow brow. Uh, oh, God, that's creepy. Hosted by Monica Lewinsky. Because when you think romance. Yeah. Oh, she's still so hot, though. She's really cool. I, I like Monica Lewinsky, but what what is this? Why? It's the worst period there ever was for reality shows, especially on network television. Because now that the Osborne show, you can throw a camera crew in any celebrity's house and get kind of the same ratings. Like, you have to up the ante. And basically broadcast torture <laughs> or, yeah. or cruelty as part the, of your reality the, show. The thing is, she also has to decide who to date without ever learning what they do for a living. Now, someone's amount of resources that they can bring to a relationship is important. That mm-hmm. is an important thing if you're getting serious with someone. Russell. But they they try to hide so much. It's you can't look at their face. You can't know what they do. It and it's it's really weird because there's times when she's at a in a bikini, but they're all covered up in tuxedos and creepy serial killer face masks. Like a, it, it probably looked like a live action Venture Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do? <laughs> yep, and yet we have married at first sight. That's been a show for a bunch of years now. It's. God, I guess it's not the same thing, but it's still the idea of like, here, go talk to that person that you don't know anything about. The competing network should just do a follow-up series. Ugh, this is dumb and gross. Uh, but the creepiest part of it was when one of the contestants said he was going to do mind control oh, no. in order to win this oh, contest. Neurolinguistic programming is essentially a way that you can influence people through different language patterns. When I went out to, to grab Haley from the pool, I thought for sure, you know what, let the games begin. It's going to start the backstab and everyone's going to be like, man, what's he doing? And there's going to be all these plots. Just flip through and this is the first thing that caught my eye. When I'm with you, we stay up all night. Oh my gosh, I was going to read this one to you. Are you kidding me? Come on. Okay, let me finish it then. When I'm with you, I stay up night. But when you're away, I have insomnia. Here's a sketch pad. He's in a fucking foot soldier mask. (laughs) (laughs) The most, like, God damn it, you're in LA. It's not that hard to get laid. What the fuck is wrong with people? Ew. 
Oh, that was some oh. bad lying. Oh my god, I was gonna read that, oh. honey. It's Just, the opposite no. of Nick. Um, and also two things ending this week that I have very little familiarity with. Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch ends after debuting in 1996. This was a huge, huge show. Sabrina the Teenage Witch started as a one-sentence gag. You know, back in the 1960s with Archie Comics, it was, hey, you know, those old haggly creatures of horror? What if one of them was a teenage girl, right? It was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, okay? It was not meant to be a long-running thing, but it stuck a chord. Sabrina has been a character that has been popular in Archie Comics for generations, and she's had two two very successful TV shows now yeah. at this point. So there's something there in the character. I think it's in the original Sabrina. It was, you are going through all of your high school hijinks, you know, getting a job, passing midterms, going to prom, learning to drive, doing household chores. What if you had magic for all that thing? Yeah. yeah. That, that speaks. And in the, I only know the comics well but like you know she discovers limits to her magic in those situations too and also everything is a fucking monkey's paw i wish he would fall in love with me ah you only said he so i made every man fall in love with you like that, that yeah. kind of shit. the problem with the tv show is that sabrina the teenage which has a limited lifespan <laughs> this went for nine seasons not if you look okay. like Melissa joan hart the eternal teenager yeah. she still yeah. looks like a kid yeah but she was 27 when it ended yeah <laughs> she was so yeah yeah and by the end of it sabrina was living on her own with friends it was very much trying to ape the friends vibe and uh. she was working at a magazine and she lives in a mini mansion that's oh, not all, the all, all the cast. The rest of the cast quit the show. Yeah, we learned that yeah. today. Like, there's nothing else for us to do. We were like ants to this woman who's a woman now. Yeah, and doesn't need ants anymore. Sabrina, the 27 year old witch who's also in the fashion industry, which isn't un uninteresting in and of itself, but it was still very unimaginative. Unimaginative. Uh, see, I always associated this with TGIF that ran with the TGIF lineup. I didn't realize that almost half of the time it, it went over to WB and went another couple seasons. Yes. Like, it did well. Like, uh, this is like right when I aged at a TGIF. And, you know, now I can say I grew up loving TGIF. We'd be at sleepovers and we'd all watch TGIF. I didn't realize it was a monoculture hostage situation where like <laughs> I... I fucking hate this. There was just nothing else remotely for kids on TV. And that's what we watched yep. until Tales from the Crypt came on and, <laughs> and hope, hope that kid had HBO. And I was, I, I was bounced out by the time Sabrina, the teenage witch came along, which I'm a huge fan of Melissa Joan Hart and Clarissa and Sabrina. So I would, I have, I think the name Sabrina is one of the best, most underutilized names, period. Sabrina rule. Yeah, it is a good name. Yeah. It's a great name. Nice. Sabrina. And then also, speaking of demos I'm not involved in, CBS Christian dramedies, uh, Touched by an Angel ends uh, after <sighs> nine, nine. A Walker, Texas Ranger strong. One episode more than Walker, Texas Ranger. Look, I love Della Reese. All right. I will hear no one say anything bad about Della Reese because she was a wonderful performer and singer. But Roma Downey and her husband, Mark Burnett, are criminals who oh. need to be stopped. Right, right. Stop them. Stop them before they elect someone as another president. 
Mark, Mark Burnett, apprentice pr- uh, producer, creator. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, reality wow. show uh, super guy. Non-N-word using footage turner over. Yeah, and he and his wife, uh, Romo Downey, now produce tons of like high, high production value Christian entertainment that is actually says nothing about anything, but also seems to think that like being Christian means spending a lot of money. Yeah. Which, you know, I'd have that Jesus, in Jesus would be into that sort of thing. So, yeah, touched by an angel. Like, I I do kind of miss anthology shows where it's just, here's a guy, and he goes into another town, and he meets a new situation, and I, there's a problem you, that needs to be solved. Did you tell me about Poker Face? Poker yeah, Face is Poker that. Face is totally that. Yeah, and it's clearly a throwback. And, yeah, the touched by an angel. The littlest meets Columbo. It, it's the same thing. Where, I, I do know, have some people have I, problems, some fucking angels show up, they fix the problems, everyone hugs. Yeah. Can I, can I pitch you on a modern day replacement for Della Reese? You'll totally forget about her. Okay. Tracy Morgan. <laughs> Tracy Morgan. <laughs> I'm a Jedi. <laughs> angel. I'm an angel. <laughs> I've been seeing angels, y'all. <laughs> Tracy Morgan, much better Della Reese. You'd never remember. If he wears the same big, like, shiny moos, okay. Can't you just see it? I can. Uh, also this week, The Simpsons, Dude, Where's My Ranch? Tell me more, JR, because I did not know this. This has the last Simpsons song that I can actually sing on it. But, like, you know the words. Like, I know the words. Okay. His name is Ned. He is so white bread. The smiling mustache, Mass dismissed. No, nothing. All right. No, I. No, I thought it was Everybody Loves Flanders. No, no everyone hates Ned Flanders. Not me. I, yeah, I don't know it. I don't know this, okay. these, these seasons. South Park. It's a fun little episode. I like the song. Yep. South Park, I know from this period. Because okay. even, even, like I said, it's going through another renaissance. Last week, I think, was the, uh, I, I just looked at Fat Head and Pancake Butt or <laughs> Fat Butt and Pancake Head. And I think that's the Jennifer Lopez Oh no, did we miss Jennifer Lopez? I mean, dude, like, for some reason, like, I was obsessed with South Park in 96, didn't care for a couple years, and like, we all were watching right at at this point, maybe because we were all getting our own places or something like that. BitTorrent existed. But Lil Crime Stoppers comes out, which (laughs) is like a polite takedown of like CSI. Uh, I, I think it's also like getting into the murder porn, which was really starting to take off in yeah. 2003, because the boys are all watching these horribly violent true crime shows. Mm-hmm. And then they decide that they're going to be junior detectives. And this is how that goes down. I'm here by making you all junior detectives. Wow. Cosmic. That means you boys are now an official part of the department. Cool. All right, so ready for your first assignment? Sure. Okay, there's a meth lab down at 567 Malavista. The operators are probably armed to the hilt with illegal weapons. I want you to get down there and see what you can find. Uh, a, a meth lab? I don't want any problems. Just take them down by the books. Now get over there. The mayor's all over my ass on this one. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of the episode is them pointing their fingers like it's guns and fighting off against real criminals. It's hilarious. Oh my God. Oh no, we, we, you were totally right, Chris. Last week we missed the South Park episode with Jennifer Lopez. Where... I don't even know if it's appropriate to sing this. Taco, taco, burrito, burrito. Uh, taco, <laughs> taco flavored kisses. Yeah. Taco flavored the whole kisses. thing is so fucking oh, offensive 
two Latinos because it's Jennifer Lopez. She's Puerto Rican, but she doesn't talk like whatever the fuck that is. But she, yeah, she Cart- J. yeah, Car- Cartman <laughs> draws a face on his hand like Senor Wences and it's Jennifer Lopez. And then, um, yeah, it less, it's less offensive when you know Senior Wences. Well, OK, that's true. I mean, he's just doing his in your wences voice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's uh, apparently Jennifer Lopez sings a song about taco flavored kisses. And Ben Affleck comes to town to uh, win her back. And yes, there's a cartoon in which um, an eight year old boy gives Ben Affleck a hand job in a car. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> they keep acting like Jennifer is a totally different person. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those episodes where it was like, is anyone else seeing this? Are we? Are we? See, uh, the, yeah. Are we allowed with this? Tipping my hat. Tipping my hat. Get away with murder yeah. on animated programs. Oh my god. Uh, a book, a rare book to mention from twenty years ago in two thousand three. The final episode uh, issue of Persepolis. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. This is a fabulous graphic novel. I wasn't sure if I should put it as a comic or a book, so I just went with book. But yeah. it is a really heartfelt story about an Iranian girl growing up in the aftermath of the Islamic Revolution there in the late 1970s. Um, a great movie. Yeah, I, I've, yeah. Only, I've only seen the movie, but I think Michael has the, the collected graphic novel around here. And I realized graphic, I should read it. Graphic novel is completely worth a read. You know, uh, it, it tackles some heavy stuff, but it absolutely should. Growing up, one of our next door neighbors was a girl from Iran. And when she was about 12 or 13, her family went back to Iran and she wrote the saddest letters to my sister about how horrible it was to go back after living in America for so years. And, Mm. you know, she was 13 or something like that. So eventually the letter stopped and I can't help wondering what ever happened to her. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Right. She, yeah. she could be protesting right now or she's fine. Yeah. Got a job yeah. doing whatever. Mm. Yeah. But this book is a great insight into the troubles for the Iranian people, I think. Mm-hmm. And then uh, video games. We got one Ninja Five O on GBA. <laughs> Uh, okay, this is just cementing my theory. The GBA is the Super Super Nintendo. That's it. That's all it is. All you get are Super Super Nintendo games. This is the next step for Nintendo games as a platformer. It's a great platformer. If this came out on the Super Nintendo in 1992, we would still be talking about it to this day. Is it the same ninja from Revenge of the Ninja? Is he, got, he entered no. the police department? No, it's like no. Castlevania Ninja. Oh. Okay. Yeah, very, very. F- but again, like if you like 2D platformers, that's exactly what JR is talking about. Like, I think the most arc, the best version of Final Fight is on GBA. I mean, again, that's it, it. We were talking earlier how like arcade games still made money, even though fewer people made them, but because they made money so slowly compared to console games. So, but that, that was still out there. Uh, 20 years ago so yeah having like side scrollers beat-em-ups like still popular on the, on the on, especially with like if you throw fucking spongebob or the fairly odd parents in there, <laughs> you'll still you'll, you'll make your money back 
that about wraps up 2003. You got one more segment. We're going to close out with When I'm Gone by Three Doors Down on the charts this week. President Trump inauguration uh, musicians. <laughs> hey, it was uh, either them or R. Kelly. So no, no, I hey, made hey, my call. I don't <laughs> mind stealing their music and playing it for nothing. So uh, we'll close out with that. But stay right there. We got more to get to after this short break. So hold me when I'm here. Love me when I'm internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of april 21st through 27th we have three movies turning 70 what a week in 1953 dang this is this is cool first up for horror fans we have a 3d classic house of wax starring vincent price and spooky things coming coming at you in 3d you know, I mean, what do you want? It's a horror film. It's been surprised being spooky and people show up in the House of Wax and spooky things happen. And, you know, people die. There you go. Then we have a movie where I don't, for once, there is an American remake and I don't know which one I like more. But <laughs> the original from 1953, The Wages of Fear, directed by Henri-Georges Clouseau. Fucking cool, cool movie. It is about dudes in some trucks and they've got to move explosives very 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 slowly it was remade as sorcerer which is also like super good like i i there's very rarely where there is an american remake in fact we're going to talk about an american remake of a european film coming up and it sucks and both of these are so fucking tense really really good wages of fear the original and then an absolute classic uh one of the easiest things to recommend on the planet also from 1953 shane starring uh alan ladd gene arthur van heflin jack palance as one of the western's best bad guys just seems like such a weird sadistic dude but you know the classic story all these little people they've got the little you know the little ranch and they're trying to make things of the west and these bad guys are coming and scaring everyone and threatening them and gonna steal their land and then a lone stranger comes with a mysterious past and he's he's gonna help him and like the kid you know they've got a little kid and he's like i idolize you because you use violence and shane is like violence is bad except here because it's totally gonna solve our problems <laughs> it's such a stereotypical western that you probably kind of feel like you've already seen it if you watch shane but you should absolutely watch the original it is fantastic good job 1953 tens all across the board and that's it for this week stay classic Coming into 2013 with Just Give Me a Reason by Pink, featuring uh, Nate 
Royce, Roos, Reese, Dr. Roos, uh, it's number one this week. Welcome to 2013, our final segment of 30 2010, April 21st to the 27th. Uh, other new music releases this week include I Love You by The Neighborhood, Venomous Rat Regeneration Vendor by Rob Zombie. God, classy. We can't get rid of this guy. No. Talking Re- about him every week. And also Reincarnated, the first and uh, so far only release of Snoop Lion. <laughs> very, very temporary title for uh, Snoop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's doing reggae and dancehall, but a lot of it just kind of sounds like just a Snoop Dogg song. That I remember <laughs> Eddie Murphy and him did a song. And I'm like, I really like this. Red Light? It, yeah, it's like one of the only times I've seen him credited as Snoop Lion. Yeah, I, I listened to a couple of the tracks and I was like, some of these are pretty good. And some of these just sound like you're occasionally saying yeah over a better song. <laughs> Diana would be a terrible hype man. I'm not good. Moving into news of uh, 2013, we tell you all the biggest things that were <laughs> happening in 2013. Perhaps the biggest. Oh, of course the biggest. Yep. Uh, the it, biggest. We all remember where we were. <laughs> I do. I remember uh, seeing messages a year later from this person. <laughs> <laughs> what they were doing. I'm like, ah, oh, did I miss it? 2013, a little crowdfunded project gets off the ground. Sounds like this. It's the game. Please don't. I knew you were ready by the way you played the game, but this is just the beginning. There's so much more. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully here. You cannot parody a work of this magnitude. It can't be done. With something like this, all you can do is present it with 100% sincerity and wring every last drop of conviction you can out of it. You sound just like you do now. This is adorable. (laughs) I am... So proud of that Kickstarter video. Listeners, for those of you who don't know, I did make a movie called Dark Dungeons, the movie, based on the 1984 Jack Chick track about the horrors of role-playing games. I got the legal rights to it from Mr. Chick. and is that where the money went? (laughs) Well, no. I got the rights for free. Oh. Wow. I wrote Mr. Chick and I said, Mr. Chick, I've won the lottery for $1,000. I'm a middle-class middle manager. $1,000 is nice, but it's not going to change my life. However, I would like to use this money, comma, and any money I raise online, comma, to produce a film version of your comic trick, Dark Dungeons. I found it to be a fascinating comic strip. Very intriguing. With lots of of powerful statements being made. I worded that letter like... Very carefully. Very, very carefully. And So people don't know Jack Chick, I've never paid for one of his comics. I usually find them in my windshield 20 years ago. He makes outlandishly Christian, it is finished. That's like the end (laughs) of like 18 comics. It's just Jesus dead on a cross. Hyperbolic, hard conservative uh, Christian comics. And he gave you the... and hold on, because we were talking about this on the air, Jr. Yeah, okay. But but uh, you wanted to adapt from those comics, started a Kickstarter, and got double the money you were asking for. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it 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 is such a rush to get have a successful Kickstarter. I mean, it's like gambling, except you never lose. Because I was working a job at the time, I had a Kickstarter set it up on my phone, so all throughout the day, I'm getting twenty dollars. every now and then. And it's just like the money is just rolling in on my phone and every ding is just like this glee of happiness that I'm going to make a lifelong dream come true. I wanted to be a filmmaker since I was about eight 
And this is the only time I've ever actually been able to make a film. And it was such an amazing feeling to know that I'm going to get a chance to do this. Maybe I'll fail. Maybe I'll make a crappy, crappy movie that everyone hates and they'll all be mad that I wasted their money. But I'll have the chance to do it. And it was sublime. I mean, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about the movie when it comes out, which is next year, y'all. Oh, so, wow. yeah, yeah. But just having the money to fulfill a lifelong dream was incredible. I will never forget the experience. I am grateful to every single backer to this day from the bottom of my heart. If you ever see me and you were one of my backers, come and say hi. I'll give you a hug because thank you. You made it so I could have a dream come true. Yeah, I was, I mean, we can save it until, till it's released, but is this streaming online? Can people enjoy it for themselves now? They can go to darkdungeonsthemovie.com and you can purchase a DRM free version for, I think, $3. Nice. Okay. Sorry. I just went to, uh, yeah. I just looked it up. Yeah. Is Dark Dungeon streaming anywhere? And Just Watch is like, it's not streaming anywhere. But people who like Dark Dungeons also liked The Green Knight. <laughs> hey good company yeah we we used to be we used to be streaming for free on amazon prime because they give you a little money if you allow them to stream it on prime but it was like nothing like like pennies and uh, it was like we could stream it for free on prime or sell one drm free copy huh <laughs> oh laid bare the am uh I love this. I love this. I uh, can't wait to talk about it more when you make it. In fact, I think we should have a whole bonus time about it because, like, definitely, you, you let stories trickle in. And I've, I've heard some off mic. I, I haven't really made a movie like that before, not mm -hmm. one where I was doing everything. Well, I, I wasn't doing anything. I had a fabulous team. I was the writer and producer. I was not the director. That was Gabe Gonda, fantastic director. And I worked with two other fabulous people, Ben Dobbins and Ben Rapson. And I could name the entire cast. They were all fabulous. Filmmaking is a collaborative effort. That is one thing. the most that fun I've ever had. Yeah. And if mm -hmm. I could had access to that well of money, I'd never not do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I would have loved to have continued doing this. It's just none of my other projects worked out. So, nah, eh. me. Um, trying to adapt a very popular strip of Snuffy Smith. <laughs> not, have, not have the same cloud. Other news. One of the deadliest structural failures in history. Mm. 1,100 workers are killed in 2,500 are injured after the Rana Plaza building collapses in Savar, Apozila, Bangladesh. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. This... Fuck. Garment workers always get in the worst of the industrial disasters in buildings. What the hell? Too much vibration in those buildings. That literally was That's one of the problems. It. That was yes. it. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was built as a commercial building, not an industrial thing. But Bangladesh doesn't exactly have the greatest zoning enforcement in the world so they just took a commercial building and put heavy machinery after heavy machinery in this place designed for office chairs yeah yep and yeah. like cracks had formed and they told them about them and the the building owner was like eh, it's fine and then everyone's coming in 9 a.m to work and eight-story buildings collapses and Jesus. yeah and it the the it kind of learning about how it sort of radiated out this this horrible disaster of like obviously there's going to be a lot of protest in Bangladesh of people wanting you know first help and 
people want this to not happen again. Then there's a lot of people out of work. What do they want? A lot of protests, uh, a lot of garment workers organizing, and also finding out how many like Western brands were sourcing their stuff from a place that was yeah. not fucking safe because it just killed 1,100 people. And yep. so, uh, yeah, there were some some improvements and a lot of corporations saying, oh, we'll, we'll source it better, says Walmart, and then they don't. Yeah. yeah. Garment making has always been the lowest rung of the industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Like it's where you start out because Bangladesh is even more so in 2013. I think it had like a 60% illiteracy rate, you know, mm. and there's only so much you can do with that. And so like you get the worst jobs in the industrial revolution, which is garment making always has been. Yep. And yeah, these poor people are going out into the street to protest for a fairer wage, which to them was $100 a month. That's what they wanted. That's not even what they were getting. That is, that is, people, that is beginning podcaster rates. (laughs) That's what we do. We go to Bangladesh and we give everyone a podcast. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure there's been several companies launched on something less silly than that. Also, people's uh, most beautiful people, uh, I want to say episode, but it's magazine. There, I got it. Number one is Gwyneth Paltrow, which I'm just like you. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, Hollywood royalty, fucking rich lady. And then I watched a movie with her for the show, and like, that woman is gorgeous. She's very, very pretty and fun to look at and a good actress. Yeah. She really is. But I want to hate her right off the bat, and I don't know why. I don't care about vagina eggs. Yeah. Uh, If you're going to hate someone, at least pick a good reason. Yeah, I don't have a good reason. There you go. Di, can you get us through these first four movies as fast as possible? Because we have a ton of weird movies in 2013, uh, April 21st to the 27th. All right. Let's get through all these movies uh, really fast. uh, Did anyone watch any of them? Because I feel bad that I did not. No. Not the first ones. Okay. So we got At Any Price, starring Zac Efron, Dennis Quaid, Heather Graham, Clancy Brown, woo, and Kim Dickens, which got like pretty good reviews, but didn't really get released. It's about, I think Dennis Quaid is, you know, a farmer and his son Zac Efron doesn't really want to be a farmer. And it gets into like a bunch of stuff with, um, you know, buying seeds and genetically modified, like patented seeds that he's like trying to sell. He's might be screwing around and he's, they're going to take the farm. And like, it, it sounds pretty good like a lot of praise for dennis quaid's performance in this as being someone who's like he's good but he's not you know he's he's kind of a complicated character so still i, I will give anybody out there 50 bucks if they can find me a dennis quaid performance where he's playing someone in the in an occupation that's been created in the last 60 years <laughs> never happens mm, yeah <laughs> never happens. again where's this podcasting movie never <laughs> So, yeah, at any price, uh, it's actually supposed to be pretty good. Sorry, didn't get to it. Uh, the Look of Love with Steve Coogan, Imogene Boots, Anna Friel, uh, Tamsin Edgerton. This is one I did want to get to. And I, I after reading the reviews, I'm like, oh, bummer. Because it's him teaming with Michael Winterbottom again. And we talked about 24-hour party people not that long ago. Great. Another one that's a true story about a not good person. In this case, a guy who went into, became a stripper impresario. <laughs> Oh, based on a true no. story. That and sounds non-exploitative. Yeah, and it, it just it sounds like it wasn't as energetic or creative compared to 24-Hour Party People, which is a movie. The movie itself is fun. Like, the content of the movie is fun, but also, like, the structure of the Incredibly film itself well is, is just so different. 
And mm-hmm. yeah, so I put in the comments on any of these, it's like, d- did we miss out? Because if I missed out on any of them, it's probably this one, because I, I really love Steve Coogan and Michael Winterbottom working together. Then we got The Re- Reluctant Fundamentalist, adapted from the novel starring Riz Ahmed, Ahmed uh, Kate Hudson, Liev Schreiber. And this is another one where it sounds like the book is just not as filmable as one would like, but... And, and it sounds like the movie might be biting off more than it can chew because it's about uh, a Pakistani guy. He lives in America. 9-11 happens. He's treated like shit. But then he goes back to Pakistan. He's still treated like shit because he's like Americanized and suspected of uh, do, doing crimes. And the CIA is after him now. And oh, it's a story that needs to be told, though. <laughs> These people mm-hmm. who weren't fundamentalists or didn't hate America and then through our mistreatment of Muslims started to hate America even though they liked us before 9-11 mm. but we became such fucking assholes that well now we're making enemies I heard the book is great uh, the movie I'm kind of bummed because it's Mira Nair who's an Indian filmmaker that I really like but no and then Arthur Newman aka Arthur and Mike with Colin Firth Emily Blunt and Anne Heche this one sounds fucking weird where Colin Firth is like a middle class guy who hates his life so he fakes his death and hits the road and he picks up Emily Blunt along the way and then they start breaking into people's houses and putting on their clothes and pretending to be them and like living out a bunch of fantasy lives love it um yeah but they're like they don't know who they are so they're pretending to be other people as they go on this road trip the reviews were okay a lot of them said like Hmm. it couldn't sustain the premise and the the ending falls apart which I can understand because that's a that's a weird premise Okay. Well, another classic corner here for 10 years. <sighs> Out of breath. I kind of want to blow through the next movie, too, because fuck this movie. <laughs> but it's got Katherine Heigl in it. It's got this one I did people. watch. It's got so many great people in it. But, okay, if they are remaking a European movie, not a good sign. If Robert De Niro's there, it's an even worse sign. <laughs> We've done this before. I don't know why he keeps doing this to us. What about Robin Williams? <laughs> What about, there's so many people. I love. Susan Sarandon and Diane Keaton are in this. I love them. I want them oh, to be and my Tim moms. Barnes, Dorian Gray himself. BB. Yeah. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, uh, the big wedding. Just to give us a lowdown. Rehearsal dinner tomorrow. The wedding. It'll be perfect. Tomorrow. Piece of wedding advice, kids. Stay single as long as you can. Love is in the air. Well, there's different kinds of love. Love, love, love. How refreshing. At this year's big wedding. You really love me. I do. Robert De Niro, Katherine Heigl, Diane Keaton. I will love you and only you for the rest of my life. Keep going. Right, right. <laughs> the big wedding. Rated R. Buy your ticket now and bring your guest for free. At the- <laughs> okay. Just see, see an executive like, there's no way women can resist this. <laughs> <laughs> Called the big and wedding. There's no way it's going to happen. Diane Keaton's in it. Oh, I wouldn't see this if it were screened in the back of my eyelids for nothing. It's a R-rated comedy that's what? not afraid to go blue. All right. But it's not good. Yeah. Oh. You know, uh, it's a French farce, but yeah. I just don't think America handles French farces good. I've, I'm trying to think of a single French, the birdcage. Okay, I take yep, it back. Yep. Other than that, I can't really think of many that have made the transition to American cinema. Mm-mm, no, that's a shame. I mean, you know, I'm always a fan of uh, something brings everyone. Like we're talking with Big Chill. It's a whole bunch of people have to come together and confront all their interpersonal problems and they'll have eccentric ones. Fine. That's fine. But sometimes it's problems are like too eccentric and unrealistic and uh, 
care. I don't care. I don't care. Everyone forgot this exists, and there's a reason. I I had no idea this existed. <laughs> I really, and then like I, I I've seen almost every movie in Robert De Niro's bio, mm. uh, just out of like my personal habit. We want to move on to the next one. I yeah. do because yeah, the next one it was very interesting film, and this Barely. is one of the biggest critic splits I have ever seen. I saw some four star reviews, and I saw half star reviews. And I was well, shocked because I enjoyed it. I know who's wrong. Rob Corddry, Rebel Wilson, Ken Jong, Ed Harris, Tony Shaloub, Anthony Mackie, Dwayne Johnson, Mark Wahlberg. It's number one this week. Pain and gain. When's the last time you paid your rent when it was due? I got a plan to change that. You just can't take a guy's things. Sure we can. He's a criminal. I made a lot of money. Yeah, I got rescued. Thought you. You guys just fired every asset you had. Hey, neighbor. Don't I bomb me, boy. I see your mother driving up and down the street looking at me. I'll be your stepfather by the weekend. Pain and gain. Get me five money back! I think this movie is unbelievably good. I really, right. really enjoyed it. I, let, I, let me let me pitch but... you guys this idea. <laughs> let me just pitch an idea, okay? Yeah. But I also it's... can see why people would not like this movie. So okay. go ahead. Here's Jack. my pitch for a new new movie. Uh-huh. It's called O.J. Simpson, Bitches Be Crazy. It's all about the wacky adventures of O.J. Simpson and how things keep not going his way, and he hilariously murders someone, (laughs) and we're supposed to sympathize with him a little bit. How does that sound? It's it's a crazy, based-on-a-true-story kind of movie, Mm -hmm. but for me, it, it, it exposes how Michael Bay is, for lack of a better word, a genius. Okay, but this... This is a true story. Yeah. These characters murdered and tortured someone. Right. That I is a thing colors. we did. But we are, don't you think we're supposed to sympathize with these guys? Oh, I love Goodfellas, man. I love Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Right? I, I don't have to sympathize with Goodfellas is an interesting comparison because this movie's pace is like those, the helicopters following sequence, but oh. the entire fucking movie. Yeah. No, that's a lot of critics picked up on that too saying like our main characters are terrible people and They're they dumb. straight up murder some people why why should for we no good reason no for no, no. good reason it, i mean one is like an accident during a fight and the other one is uh, a completely foreseeable accident of ODing someone on horse tranquilizers to stop them <laughs> from killing you because of that first murder and yeah and then they they have to chop up the bodies and it, it's terrible and and some of this played for laughs which Yes, I understand why people would. I think tonally that doesn't work, Mm -hmm. and that's part of who's bringing you the movie because it's like you laughed at all my other murders where (laughs) thousands of people die in front of you. Uh, Why not this? And that's why I think this is so fascinating because, like, people. I don't like Michael Bay. I don't Mm -hmm. like Michael Bay movies, but he has a damn near inimitable style that is he created that is uniquely his own. And watching that done to a movie that is not a $100 million blockbuster is fucking fascinating. His his style is so garish and overblown. And this is about garish, overblown people, literally. Aspire to do to be like so and no no one no one has ever been thicker in this movie either. Anthony Mark Mark Wahlberg, especially, and kind of the rock, but like everyone is huge. Dwayne is far more jacked in this than I have ever, ever, 
ever seen him in any film. I mean, I think it's significant. Mm. Same with Wahlberg. Like, because yeah. he's in so many movies with his fucking shirt off. I have to know this. Yeah, he's pretty. Di- All right. So, yes, this is based on a true story. Uh, some, you know, characters that their name changed, a couple have been combined. The overall view seems to be fairly accurate. The Sun Jim Murders. The Sun Jim Murders, mm-hmm. where uh, Mackie Mack plays a, like a personal trainer who ends up hating his job and he just he decides they keep saying that they believe in the american dream and that comes up a lot the idea of like i just keep working and i just keep surviving i deserve to be rich uh you know goes to one of those like be rich now kind of uh self-help conferences run by ken jong and decides that the answer is to kidnap tony shalhoub who's one of his clients who's a real asshole but Unlike in reality, we have no indication he's a criminal. Like, <laughs> the, the guy he's based on actually did end up going to jail for, like, Medicare fraud. But <laughs> mostly he's he, he's rich and he's an asshole. And so Mackie Mack decides he doesn't deserve it. We're going to kidnap him and make him sign over all of his money to us. And he enlists uh, Dwayne Johnson, playing a guy who just got out of prison, who is extremely Christian, but still goes along with this bullshit, and Anthony Mackie, who's kind of a wannabe, along with them. So they're they're bodybuilders who are fucking morons. They are so so stupid. I, I wish they were stupider. I think the movie would be more entertaining. It'd be a, a, a stone cold classic if they were just. But they're dumb. they're so so they're pretty dumb. They are so dumb. They I are. mean, all of their ideas they got out of movies. Like, I mean, like they, they that, that's how, and they think that this is hard work that they're earning this. And his thing is, have the guy sign over his house and then go move into his house. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, and they're always like stealing really obvious cars. Like, oh yeah, no, I'll just drive this guy's purple Lambo away. I guess it's mine now. It's like you don't think that's kind of obvious. It's the only orange one in Miami, dude. What are you? It's so 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 dumb. But I like that because. You know, the point of it, they're talking about, like, that this is the American dream is to them apparently just having a bunch of money that you can waste on stupid shit. And in a way, I think they're kind of right. So I love that the movie has a garish ass aesthetic that these characters would love. I would also posit to you, Chris, this might be the most Florida movie that ever Florida. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is garish Florida. in a Miami way. Yeah. Not in a Houston way. <laughs> Not in a New York way. There is only one place this could take place, and it is fucking Florida. Yeah, yeah. Michael Bay loves filming planes flying over the Miami airport logo. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're so dumb. They're so dumb, and they're so terrible. And to watch them go from—they're not even like good-natured dumb. They're just really dumb into exceptionally dumb into violently dumb. And so, yeah, I, they're just murdering people because they're fucking idiots. I, I think Michael Bay doesn't know comedy that well mm. given how much i cringe whenever a comedy presents itself in a movie i'm watching on a plane of his mm-hmm. and there's maybe a comedy director that could have made like adam mckay could have made a better movie Ooh. out of this but like this movie would be dull as shit made by anybody else but michael bay and i don't know what attracted him to this but i, I don't know it's it's like a really roided up Coen Brothers movie sometimes. Yes. <laughs> That's it. Yep. You got it. And to see that it's it's written by Marcus and McFeely, who are like the guys who write all the Avengers movies. <laughs> they wrote all the Captain America movies and uh yeah, Infinity War and Endgame. <laughs> the guys in charge of Marvel as, as shit. Much now. As, 
this boy's life in this episode, but this is kind of the movie you must see if you haven't. If you want to see, like, uh, I don't know, I was just thinking the so we were talking about Family Guy and like there's so many cutaways, and then they like make a whole episode with no music and no cutaways just to see, like, fuck you, I told you I could do it. That's what Michael Bay is doing here. He, he, he results to his, his own personal cliches and touches, but every time you see those parodied, they're never quite Michael Bay enough, and they're all here. Oh, the spinning cameras, mm-hmm. the the cuts that are too quick that almost help make you lose proximity to a genuine situation that doesn't involve CG. I I still think this is like a, one of the most fascinating movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I love Penny Game. I I heard it was good. I was not expecting it to be as funny as it is. Even though, yeah, terrible things happen, and sometimes they even remind you of something terrible is happening. Little Chiron comes up. This is still a true story. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's horrible. God, these guys are more. Uh, yeah, it just comes down to the, you know, the the Scarface Wolf of Wall Street problem, where it's like, if you think these are good guys, you're watching the wrong movie. These guys started bad and they just get worse. JR, where are you on yeah. this? I am okay on it. I just wanted to give it shit because yeah. I do think it is distasteful to have this be real things. I understand the Wolf of Wall mm. Street and Goodfellows are real things. People I, lost I don't... their money, not their lives. Well, no, Goodfellow people lost their lives. Hank Hill was a... <laughs> Wait, no. Sorry, not Hank Hill. Uh, that way. I don't know why no one's done it before now. <laughs> Henry Hill <laughs> was a murderer, almost certainly. I, I think he lied about that. No, all I brought... get is noodles and ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> and I do love Goodfellows, so I can't really say, no, don't ever make a movie about a true life murderer. But for whatever reason, while watching it, I felt a little yucked out. Mm. In Goodfellows, Henry Hill is not a murderer. Did not murder anybody. Uh-huh. That's In true. But it's also In the movie. his testament. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, exactly. I see what you're saying, but but that's why Goodfellas I think works the way it does because people adjacent to him murder and he doesn't, and he doesn't he doesn't give some giant Batman speech, but like it's hard to root for a murderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. If you're rooting for these guys, thinking man, they've got it all figured out, you're even dumber than the characters mm. because this is a dumb idea, and they do it dumbly because they're dumb. <laughs> that's so I love dumb characters. Dumb. Yeah, I think no, pain, pain and Gain was uh, definitely a, a recommend. There was, and I everyone's really good at uh, Dwayne Johnson. Has got he's got to cover a lot of ground because, like you know, he's very sober, he's very Christian, but he's doing terrible things, and he's and eventually you know falls off the wagon and becomes even more ridiculous. I, I think this is one of the weirdest <laughs> breakout roles for Dwayne Johnson that I can think of. Yeah. He's, Thicker well, and it, bigger than he's ever been. Looks more like an action action star than any movie I've ever seen him in. In fact, it looks like he is literally inflated for the movie. Mm. But would you say this is his best acting up to this point? Yeah, I, I, I think I could, I could. I mean, I, I've liked some of his acting, but I didn't. I say that the other what, week. Like, uh, I think Dwayne Johnson makes a bunch of movies. This the type of movies that he likes, and I hate most of those. Mm. <laughs> I think he's he. I love him. But I hate most of his movies. Fucking hate, <laughs> and I don't hate this at all. But because, like, the only other thing I can think of is like when he's in "Be Cool" as like a gay cowboy, and like, yeah, that was, was that fun. good though? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if that was good. It was against type, which he doesn't do normally. Yeah. But being dumb, yeah, he doesn't normally do that. Mm, yeah. So if you want to see him, yeah. um, 
trying to. And he steal. plays a great dumb guy. He's, he's a great really dumb guy. Really good. He's trying and failing so hard. But yeah, if you want to see him like steal a bag of quarters off of an armored truck. And then well, people shoot at him and then the dye pack explodes in his face and so now his beard is green for like the next couple scenes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think it's fun. I think this movie is so super fucking fun. And yeah. and it is proof that Michael Bay is a special director. He 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 has he made this in between being shackled to five Transformers movies. God. <laughs> like, imagine that. Like that's that's three years of his life, every fucking movie. And he still made it a point to Christopher Nolan his way out into this thing. It's and I believe as I, I will it, say this: I think it's Michael's Bay's best work since The Rock. I looked wow. up on Rotten Tomatoes, and mm-hmm. that confirms your theory. Hmm. Other than the fluctuating, I looked at it twice. People keep changing the fucking tra- Transformers. The first movie is fucking terrible, but that that is like they're all bad. Maybe mm. <laughs> no, Jr. I don't mean to hurt you any more than we're hurting <laughs> you right now. But but like that's like his number two on Rotten Tomatoes. The Rock is number one by a long shot, but this is close. Uh, pain and gain. Everything else is in like the thirties. This is in the fifties. So uh, on a critical consensus, even though Diana mentioned people didn't have one because like mm-hmm. uh, uh but. Yeah, this is still one of his more better regarded movies, according to critics. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I liked it. it. Is it my? It's prime, probably my favorite Michael Bay movie. Yeah, but that competition is uh, <laughs> not, not strong. Not, not strong at all. <laughs> if I could say it again, and I don't want anybody to send me a copy of it because that's happened several times. I have not seen The Rock. <gasps> I feel wow. like I'm waiting to do it on the oh. show. I've okay. never seen it. All right never seen it but everyone tells me it's fucking awesome it's so uh, dumb. Well, let's move into television teen titans go debuts on cartoon network it is hell yeah it's 10 years old okay diana yeah are you thinking of teen titans or are you thinking of teen titans go i am thinking, thinking of teen titans. i am only thinking of teen titans go but I understand because I read some of the criticisms of Teen Titans Go. People reviewed, all the reviews were like, what the fuck is this? This is really stupid. And it's like, yeah, it's a comedy. Yeah. It's not a superhero show. In the DC universe. Come on, bro. It's <laughs> I like I've tried to watch the Teen Titans, but it's the, the, the regular version. It is bizarre. They used all the same voice acts. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. That's, that's one reason the fans were like, what is this? It's all the voice actors, but they're not what I came for. And yeah, they're designed differently and they're comedic and they turn Teen Titans Go into this weird, like the last time I had any kind of cable, Teen Titans Go was the ridiculousness of Cartoon Network. It's on it's all It's on all day. the time. Yeah. All day. Yep. Here is the best criticism I read by fans of the original Teen Titans. Okay. The original Teen Titans show was picked to be a dramatic show with some comedic elements. These characters were chosen so that they would interact with each other in dramatic ways, in ways that are conductive to telling good stories. These characters were not designed to be comedic characters and that changing them into a comedic show robs them of their character individuality. Like most of the jokes in Teen Titans Go are not character specific. You could toss up the lines of dialogues and mix them up and it wouldn't matter Mm. to the joke that Teen Titans Go is telling. The Starfire though, the Starfire with the talking, Mm. maybe a little. Maybe a little bit. I can see that. But it's still a nonstop barrage of comedy and 
Every, like twice a year, I load up Night Begins to Shine, the fucking <laughs> the best music video of all time, starring Teen Titans Go. Yeah, I did not realize that the guys who developed the show just directed the Super Mario Brothers movie. Like, well, now I'm interested in seeing that. I had practically no interest in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Like, like not unlike some kids, I don't have any baggage with the original Teen Titans. Not in mm. comics, not in cartoon form. And when I saw this, I'm like, this is fucking hilarious. The only time Batman shows up is to laugh like an idiot and then disappear. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. It's so and like, and sometimes it's like real deep nerd shit is happening. But it's uh, yeah. Why not? When I saw the Lego Batman movie, I was just like, well, yeah, I guess why? Why shouldn't a corporation make its own Naked Gun? Hmm. And uh, because that's what that is. And this is just having. I, I feel bad with anybody who loves <laughs> loves Teen Titans Go and walked in the Snyderverse. You're going to see a really boring <laughs> cyborg. And Robin, Th- that is the thing. The cyborg in the Snyderverse is such a boring character compared to the Teen Titans so version good. that I loved. I always thought he was a great character, and in the Snyderverse, it was just like, well, you're not. You're barely a character. Yeah. And I think if you listen to that Laser Time, who? Who had the shortest transition from screen from page to screen? Cyborg is one of those. So it's not like he has like a legion of like decade long fans. He's like a twenty year old character, thirty year old character, as opposed to Robin, who's almost a hundred. <laughs> That's scary to think about. Yeah, no, Teen Titans Go is like my number one example up there. below something like Adventure Time of like, you kids today, you do not know how good you have it to have cartoons that are this funny and throw out so many random jokes. It's like like Animaniacs level fastness on the jokes. By people who care, who clearly aren't fighting with executives. Like you can see it in the show. It's just all kinds of grown up references to old movies or songs or whatever. They're just throwing everything at the wall. It's so frantic and just goofy. Oh, you don't know how good you have it. All our cartoons sucked as a kid. Yeah, all our cartoons were made by 70 yeah. year old guys who hated children. Yes. Watching oh, God, yeah. I've tried to rewatch He Man no. multiple times. I've tried. Three separate occasions in my life, one in my 20s, one in my 30s, and one in my 40s. No time could I get through a single episode. And it's trash. I was drunk and I couldn't do it. Okay. Like my sister bought me a like best, best of He Man, the 10 best episodes of He Man is decided by corporation and people. And the only thing entertaining about it was Paul Dini was allowed to like do introductions and like. This is the worst thing we've ever written. Like, and just just talk about how like the best episodes are his greatest shame. It's our greatest artistic shame. <laughs> but Teen Titans Go is the shit. It, it, uh, it, I, I would never seek it out, and I love a billion things on Cartoon Network more. But I don't know if that's because the last time I saw it was like in a cable world where like it's on eight hours a day. <laughs> I would like to see some Steven Universe, some We Bear Bears. Craig of the Creek, even, but and I, I cannot. Like when I got subscribed to cable, Adventure Time was still on, but like I was like, when? Mm. It's never run on this channel, <laughs> like ever. Like, oh, only at you know certain times of the year, seven o'clock once. Teen Titans go all the way. Anyway, sorry, Kesha, my crazy beautiful life debuts on MTV. This is her really trying to capitalize on her hot period and the more you learn about what she was going through during her period of biggest Uh, professional success i don't know how you could like revisit this 
I'm a wacky, crazy pop star. Isn't it fun? You hear like a whip TV show behind her. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sleep, sleep now. Yeah. I think it's best watched as evidence in the trial. Yeah. <laughs> not against her. Uh, Don't. Immunity, basic human anatomy. This is a rare good season four episode of Community. I know I've been ragging on it, but there's a couple of gems. And this is the episode where they do uh, Freaky Friday and yeah. Troy and Abed switch bodies. And they handle it so perfectly. You know, it's not a real body switch. It's obvious that Troy... Not Abed, but Troy is the one who's going through some emotions he can't process. So he's doing this whole thing to say things in Abed's mouth that is his mouth that he couldn't emotionally process. And it's handled wonderfully. And if every episode was this good, we would not talk disparagingly of season four of Community. Yep. Yeah, it's a good one. What about it's Game of Thrones? the episode and now his watch has hanged. Oh, so season three of Game of Thrones, it's hard not to talk about every episode. Last week, Jamie got his fucking hand cut off and that like changes the whole show. (laughs) Yeah, because this is him dealing with that. It was like, I'm the greatest swordsman in the land. That's who I am as a person. And now I've lost the only thing that really matters to me other than fucking my sister. (laughs) Other than that... (laughs) I have nothing to live for. And uh, unlike people who read the books, like people might come back from the dead. Your hand doesn't come back. It was, it was strangely right. more finality. And I remember reading it like the chapter just ends after his hand is cut off and like, shit. Yeah. It hurt. But yeah. this is also the episode where Daenerys really becomes the Daenerys that we're going to love for most of the rest of the show. This is when episode. she decides to trade one of her dragons in exchange for an army of they're called the unsullied Unsullied. they're basically the dickless uh, the dickless boys who have been trained since birth to be the perfect unfeeling soldier they're all brown don't think too much about them being dickless and trained to perfectly obey their master don't think about that she trades one of the dragon for them and then her first command is well now that i control you kill them (laughs) Yep. Pretty fun. It is pretty fun. Pretty fun. Yep. And, uh, oh, and I think this is when everyone that was north of the wall getting eaten by ice zombies makes it back to relative safety, and then the Lord Commander gets shivved real bad. Yeah. And, uh, which leads us to Gay of Thrones, which I missed the beginning of a couple weeks ago. One of my favorite web series of all time, recapping. Group watches, we would have to watch the gay of thrones before the new <laughs> yeah it was a helpful recap of what did i miss last week oh okay right just remind me so yeah this is how we got jonathan van ness who is an adorable pixie who brings joy everywhere he's also he got the gig for the rebooted queer eye uh he is so wonderful and it started literally because he's just a hairdresser in los angeles and a producer heard him talking with a client about game of thrones and how enthusiastic he was about it and it's so cute because he sounds like a 15 year old cheerleader (laughs) and gives everyone fun names you know and so i grabbed a clip of him actually talking about the the fight where uh, the lord commander of the night's watch gets killed 
So then when you had like the incest rape village, I could not believe it. I was so excited when that one guy just had enough. He said, I am hungry, I'm gonna kill you. And then the other guy was like, fuck it, I'm starving, I'm gonna kill you. Girl, I tried to do a juice cleanse this one time about six hours in, I was ready to knife a bitch. I wanna know who does the background music to Game of Thrones because I swear to God, when Christina Aguilera came out and she like started speaking that Valerian language, which I knew she was gonna start speaking that shit the whole time I said, you better stop calling her a bitch. She's gonna fuck you up. Anywho, the guy who does the music, I was like, where is my Whitney Houston I'm Every Woman right now? <laughs> <laughs> Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I'm, I'm, I'm so fun. sort of more sad about that going away. Uh, I know. I, I With the, the House of the Dragon, I was like, I know he's too busy to come back, but is there someone else who could do recaps? Because that would help, because I can't tell any of these fuckers apart. True. If you call one of them Christina Aguilera, they're all Christina Aguilera on the show. Oh, my God. Let's move quickly into video games of 2013, April 21st to 27th. I think this is funny. Dead Island Riptide for PC and PS360. I think the new Dead Island is out 10 years to almost to the day Mm -hmm. of the last Dead Island release. The biggest white hot franchise that you've never. A trailer. It is not hot for the gameplay. It is not hot for the story. It is hot because it had, yeah, it's in the trailer. conversation. One of the greatest video game trailers of yeah. all time. That had so much hype, they gave certain editorial outlets a shitload of money to, like, <laughs> never mind. But if you haven't heard the story before, that's pretty much how this show started. Like, why we have the equipment, why we have the URLs, why we built everything, because we got money from Dead Island to make fun of Dead Island because they didn't really know what the game was. <laughs> they had a great trailer. And uh, the second one has taken 10 years to come out. It comes out 10 years, like, as you're listening. Uh, Don't Star. Don't Star begins on, on PC. 10 years. <sighs> Again, the Don't indie Don't tell boom. me what to do. <laughs> I'm telling you to eat, woman. It's <laughs> yeah. You're not the boss of me. The indie boom is really taking off in 2013, and it's going to accelerate. This was one of the big games in it. It's all about crafting. It's got a great loop where you have to just craft enough to survive and then try to progress a little and then craft enough to survive and keep on trying not to starve. I own like eight versions of this game, and I've never played it. But uh, I've always wanted to. Star Trek for PC, PS360? Uh, So... This is not a good game. It's definitely not a good Star Trek game. The only interesting thing about this game, I think, is it takes place between 2009 Star Trek reboot and this year's Into Darkness. So it's not a prequel. It's not a sequel. It's a midquel. So if you are really a fan of the Star Trek reboot, this is some rare additional content for you. That Abrams first. Iron Man 3, the official iOS game, as a big giant Marvel f- fan, and I was working in games at the time, I think Iron Man 2 or Captain America was the end of Sega's MCU license. So only game, only movies up to that point had video games released of them other than on gotcha shit on iOS. And Iron Man 3 being the first. Yeah, this is or, a or yeah. endless flyer and it's just, it's a disappointment to me because I grew up on uh, adaptation games where it was like, I love the Goonies. There's only so much Goonies in the world. I'm going to throw a yo-yo at an Italian woman. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> and it was not good. I don't want to romanticize it too much, but 
I did feel it gave you more meat than these iOS games. No, for sure. It, like I, I think the MCU has. I'm not a fan of pretty much just Ant Man at this point, Quantum Mania. But they dropped the ball so huge by never having an MCU game ever. Like what? You can't afford that? You didn't make enough money to invest in an MCU game? You can't talk about that? What the fuck? What the fuck is going on? And lastly, I'm so glad JR picked up this highlight. Um, <laughs> Poker Night 2. Mm-hmm. I, there was a Poker Night 1, but I don't think it had the celebrity angle here. And if you've ever wanted to play poker with like Sam and Max, Ash from Evil Dead, and Brock Sampson from Venture Brothers. <laughs> it, 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 it's delisted now. You can't get it. Oh. But you can look it up on YouTube. It's, you know, it's a poker game, but there's plenty of dialogue in it. You know, most of the poker games I'm invited to turn out to be elaborate death traps. You worry too much, Brock. Max and I have been coming here for years without even a hint of a death trap. Unless you count the killer mini tacos. Oh. I don't know. This whole place just feels weird. That's right. It's a Telltale game, so it has stuff the Telltale. I don't. What were they doing with the Venture Brothers and Evil Dead license? Did that, I that... have no idea how they decided <laughs> on these IPs. I really just think they emailed a hundred postcards to a hundred IP owners, and five responded. Uh... And they were like, "That's it. That's what we're doing." <laughs> Okay. Brock Sampson, Sam and Max, Portal Gal, and uh, Ash. Yeah. Um, and clap. Great. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, and with that, we're pretty much done with the show. We're going to tell you uh, who died and who lived during this period and a fun little quiz you can play along with. But we got to get some plugs out. Patreon.com slash laser time, of course. Five bucks is uh, what we ask. You can do one, you can do 20, you can do thousands if you want if you're a, if we have a really lucrative dark money republican uh donor i'm listening i'm listening i could be steven crowder for you 50 million dollar contract yeah, but yeah. anyway anyway video game apocalypse is a, a show where we talk even more in depth about video games every friday we'll talk about new games maybe the new dead island i don't know if any of us got a cop an advanced copy of it but uh reviews aren't great um looks like a franchise that took 10 years to die die where can folks find you they can find me on the twitter at listening nerd l-e-c-i-n-e-n-e-r-d or follow the show at 302010 podcast is 302010podcast where we'll tell you all the things that we recommended and where you can stream them to keep you busy for the week so we we had a just a lot of like small and medium movies this week, and I think it's because especially in two thousand three and twenty thirteen, they're trying to get their money and get out of the way because we got heavy hitters coming mm. for you. Did you know they make movies out of comic books now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. have. Uh, I'd say the best X Men movie and um, the second best Iron Man movie. I might say the best. It's I might. Uh, I am interested in rewatching it because it is one that I have defended quite vociferously. I really like this Iron Man. Watched a ton of shit for the wrong week, so I. I So you're prepped, huh? Yeah, yeah, sadly. (laughs) Also, next week it's a day for whacking. (gasps) Yeah. Oh. We jam with the NBA, and we get to see Amy Schumer's insides. Mm. Yay! I like that show. Even though it's fun to mention she has a brand new show out of, and I don't think it's been pro- promoted very well at all. No. Oh. That show is back on, yeah, on Paramount Plus. Nobody knows. Nope. Die, who died? Oh. Well, in 1993, we mentioned Cesar Chavez passed. He was only 66. In 2003, oh, the rest of us just 
just really cool people. But uh, in 2003, we lost Nina Simone, who is 70, who is one of the best singers ever, period, kind of. I mean, I guess he'd qualify her as jazz, maybe? I, I swear to Christ, and I don't want to, I'm going to sound shitty saying this. Mm-hmm. I always filed her under girl music, somewhere like Erica Badu. And mm. I, I, I kind of <laughs> see that. Yeah. It's always in the same CD collection. Yeah, that's true. It's, it is good, sensitive girl music who's also a civil rights activist. And um, if she covered a song, that's probably the best version. That was like her thing. It was just covering songs. She she covers the BG song to love someone that I listened to and I sobbed. Ugly <laughs> sobbed. It was so good. <laughs> She, yeah, she's fucking amazing. And uh, and it's weird that she came up in uh, Point of No Return that we talked about like a, like a month ago. That She's like, this is my favorite song. And they have like a bunch of Nina Simone songs in the movie. And it like kind of helped popularize her with the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 2013, we lost Richie Havens, who was 72. Who... He didn't die in that plane crash in American Pie? No. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, the Bamba movie. I that no, was Richie. <laughs> Richie Valens. Oh shit! Richie, Richie Havens is a, a folk musician uh, who played Woodstock and is one of the best live shows I ever saw. I, I saw him. He came to my college and was in basically a conference room with forty people, and he was amazing. Wow. And then we also lost at the same time George Jones, who was eighty-one, who was uh, at a king of country music. Damn it! There is. Mm-hmm. There's a mini series about him and Tammy Wynette that I got like halfway through and I should finish. That was kind of fun. But yeah, he stopped loving her today. Again, that's just a fucking great song, man. And last but not least, uh, human calculator Shakuntala Devi, who is 83. Oh my God. I am so glad Google Doodles exists to tell me who this person was because she's <laughs> amazing. She could multiply 13 digit numbers in 28 seconds. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Uh, she could find, you know, oh, what's the cube root of, you know, 18 billion, blah, 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 blah. She could just do it. She could just do it in her head. It was just, it was just nothing. They, to test her, they had to build a new program for the Unibac computer to make sure she was getting it right because they didn't have computing power good enough to, to check her work. This was in the seventies. Yeah, I know, but it's just still fun to think about like, uh. We don't want a Jeopardy situation where, like, you repeat questions over the course of 20 years. And I know this because of YouTube. We got to create some. Yeah, they they generated random numbers, 13-digit numbers. So that's trillions. And just gave her wow. some random-ass numbers. And she could just, just, just multiply them. Not a problem. Well, with the deaths out of the way, what do we got, JR? We got the birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. Born April 22nd, 1923, in Dallas, Texas. No longer with us. He died in 2000. No. He died in 2006. Now, despite dying in 2006, he had four television shows based on his work on the air in the year 2022 which is the same number as the living Dick Wolf. <laughs> I was going to say Dick Wolf, but it, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. He holds the record as the most prolific television producer in all of U.S. television history. 
Seth well, okay. Well, it's not Norman Lear because knock on wood, he's with us and he's over 100. Mm-hmm. Sherwood Schwartz? No. Okay. 218 producer and executive credit to his name. He married the original Morticia Adams. Oh, shit. Oh. It's not Aaron Spelling? It is Aaron Spelling. Yes. Ah. Oh. <laughs> yep. Yep. So he attended Forest Avenue High School in Dallas. He served in the United States Air Corps uh, as a pilot during World War II. What? Uh, he was a pilot? Yep. Graduated Southern Methodist University in 1949, where he was a cheerleader. <laughs> he has been portrayed in two television movies, one by Dan Castanella, <laughs> portrayed spelling in Behind the Camera, the unauthorized story of Charlie's Angels. Nicholas Hammond portrayed Spelling in the television movie Dynasty, The Making of a Guilty Pleasure. (laughs) Uh, And then I was going to list a couple of his acting credits and then get into the easy stuff. Charlie's Angels, The Love Boat, Heart to Heart, Dynasty, Beverly Hills 90210, Melrose Place, Seventh Heaven, Charmed. He was also executive producer on The Mod Squad, The Rookies, and Sunset Beach. I I just started trying to count his television credits and I just I, I I've gotten too far. Gave the, up. Yeah. Yeah. I I, mean, I want to find out how many shows. How many shows like, is this man? Like a live action Hanna Barbera. Like, go make the exact same thing we made before. Stat twice a season. <laughs> but yeah, in 2022, Fantasy Island was on the air. Charmed was on the air. SWAT, which is another one of his show, was on the air. <sighs> And Dynasty was on the air. All four were remakes of his work. So dead, 18 years, four major television series. Yeah. Indirectly, we all just bought Tori Spelling a new set of cheeks. Oh, she got nothing. Uh, he, he left her pretty much nothing in what? his will. Yeah. What? Yeah, Did there was go to... apparently some drama there. Like, uh, like, I give you $3 million, you I think it was a couple hundred thousand. Oh, wow. I, I IMDb has him as listed as producer of 232 different things. Yeah, man. Fuck. How? How does some have the time okay. to make it's so a little more. much trash? Uh, so much trash. Tory Spelling inherited $800,000 of an estimated $600 million estate. Jesus Christ. What the fuck? I hope he had like 40 kids. I had Nick Cannon amount of kids. No, uh, his no, his wife, who he was married to at the time, mm. uh, apparently made sure that happened. Oh, boy. Wow. Lovely courtroom drama. I, I've heard so many stories about their ridiculous house. Aaron yeah. and his yeah. wife, Candy. I think there's there's like an entire Will and Grace episode about how they have a room just for wrapping presents. And so they just Will and Grace <laughs> just start wrapping everything in the house. Or I, I'm hungry for breakfast. What's in this box? Oh, good. It's Frosted Flakes. It's so fun when you wrap everything. <laughs> oh, my God. R.I.P. Aaron Spelling. You gave us so much disposable entertainment. My God. You made us all like just 2% dumber. Good job. <laughs> Well, let's close out the show. Patreon.com slash laser time if you want to support us. Celebrate about the show. And we're going to close out with Feeling Good by Nina Simone. Uh, again, if she covered it, that's probably the best version. And I think this is it. This, I mean, everyone has covered this song over time. But this version, holy crap. Sorry about the audio issues. We love you. We'll see you next week. Fishing the sea, you know how I feel. 
river running free You know how I feel Blossom on the tree You know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day It's a new life For me And I'm feeling 